All right, and welcome in to the Flag Hunting Podcast. It's Chris and Ian, and we are joined by special guest at Rory Picks is here with us tonight as we are going to do a little recap of uh, the American Express and then uh, preview Tory Pines, Fort Mill Farmers Insurance Open. So, uh, Ian, not not the worst of weeks. Ron just Ron just happened to set the place on fire, right? Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> what a tournament, man. What a tournament. When when 20 under par gets you a nice, solid T19 on the uh, leaderboard, you know the tournament's completely fucked. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it was it was kind of – I mean, it was a fun week for a little bit there, uh, watching kind of Tom Kim make his run. And, you know, we had guys like Finau and Hoagie and uh, Cameron Young trying to charge up the leaderboard. But at the end of the day, Rom just did not slip up uh, once uh, anywhere near enough for us to – even have a shadow of cash in any kind of outright. So, um, yeah, not my favorite tournament of the year. I wrote in my notes uh, for next year, just take a vacation because, like, I really don't enjoy that tournament, like, whatsoever. Um, but, hey, you never know. Now we get uh, – we talked about it last week. This The AMX was kind of the last, like, swing season, like, preseason exhibition feeling type of tournament. Now we get to the big boy shit. We got our, our main man, Roy, on to talk a little bit about Torrey Pines. We got Pebble Beach coming up. It's Phoenix, Riviera. Florida swing. Uh, so a lot of big time events. Some would call this kind of the week one of the, uh, of the PGA North season. This is where a lot of the casual ideas might come in and watch a little bit of Tory. So uh, excited to have um, obviously Rory on excited to talk Tory Pines and you know, it's, it's good to, uh, to have a winner on because we've, <laughs> I don't really want to do we, We've been doing all the sulking in the last couple episodes with, with Collins collapse and with Rom kicking, uh, the ass of every field he's been in since like August. So, uh, my main man, Rory, I know he posts, uh, he's obviously one half lane coin podcast that him and Mark do a great job on, but he does his own golf shit. He wanted to come on here and talk Tory. He's been on fucking fire, whether it's, uh, doing seven leg parlays in golf or cashing first, uh, touchdown scores in football in the group chat, just handing out free winners. So Rory, I know, I know your pockets are full, man. How are you going to, how are you going to spend this, this week, uh, leading up to the Super Bowl? Lots of cases of bush light. Yeah. And go. some yeah. chicken wings, some buffalo wings. Hey, 17 parlays are going to k- get you a lot of uh, a lot of bush light and chicken wings. I can I can assure you that. Yeah, Saturday, Saturday was an interesting day. I mean, I hit that, hit Kelsey first touchdown, swept the matchups. The only that's the only matchups I played all weekend. Like I hate this fucking I hate that tournament. Like only thing I did was just I happened to be looking and I was just like Tom Kim, Sam Burns, they're gonna go low. Gotta take them. I mean, it, it was only like minus one forty or some shit. Minus one fifty on Burns versus versus English. Really? Like that was a stupid ass line. I mean, I don't really really like playing juice, but when I see something like that, it's like I'm hitting this, and and if I lose, I lose. So, right. got that. They only had Tom Kim minus one forty over fucking. Um, it was uh, Thigala, and I was like, he and like he played good first round, and then he's doing what he always does, fade like fades off. Yeah. Might sneak back in in the final round because the pressure's off now, and sneak back in the top twenty. Yeah. Or something like that. It just seems like that's when he always goes low is like first rounds and last and the final round. And in betweens he seems like he struggles a little bit, especially yeah. if he's had a good putting day the day right. before and then coming in. So I looked at that one and then 
I really could not figure out what in the hell was going on with Harry Hicks plus 150 against um, whoever the hell it was. I don't know. It was like he's been beat his ass two days in a row, and, like, it, it ain't just beat – like, he's beat him pretty good, whoever he was matched up Hicks, with. So, Hicks, uh, he played well. Didn't he finish, like, inside the top ten last who week? Did? And Maybe I know, I'm thinking uh, – no, hold up, hold up. That was an exciting match. That was the one because Higgs bo- double bogeyed nine, I think, or on Saturday. Or on Sunday, he double. No, on Saturday. On Saturday, he double oh, bogeyed. Yeah, he bo- double bogeyed on Saturday. Some damn where, and I was just like, freaking. Um, who was it? He was up against. <laughs> I don't know, brother. I don't I know, trying, man. I was trying to find it. Your screenshot doesn't have it. Your screenshot only has who you. Like who the winners or who your picks were? Uh, yeah, shit. Uh, anyway. oh, Clark, Clark. Okay, oh, Wyndham Clark. So, yeah, he had been playing like shit the first two rounds, and Higgs was like playing good, to beat like beat him pretty good, and then all of a sudden, Wyndham Clark decides, hey, I'm going low the fucking final uh, before the cut here and make it. Right. I mean, that was crazy. He. Higgs still shot 10 under with a fucking double bogey. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He made the, um, I think the PJ Tour record for the season and birdies made. And a given round, he made 12 birdies out of 18 holes. And Clark finished minus eight. But still, I don't give a shit. He should not have been plus 150. Like, that's worth taking a shot at any any day of the week, especially when you got a guy that's rolling it and the other guy looks like ass. I mean, I'll, I'll go up against it. So, Got those, and Saturday was nice. Even won $150 on the slots that night. We went up to the I casino. Saw, yeah. saw you in the casino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was a winning day Saturday. <laughs> so, so slots is the game of choice for, for Roy Picks when uh, he gets in the casino? No, that's no. the only option up there at this place oh, is God. slots. Yeah, it's no sports book, no blackjack, no nothing. We – I basically went because my wife wanted me to go with her up there to see this band that was playing there. Okay. So you skipped so, out 30 minutes and uh, went and played some slots, won 150, and then came back? No, I won the 150 as soon as I got there, basically. I went in there, ate a hamburger, ate some fries. Then I got got a few beers, sat down, and I was like, putting $100 in here. If I don't hit this, it's over, like done. Going to just go drink fucking watch this and i was like and if it gets up above 150 or more that i've won that'll pay for all my beer and all all my food so next thing you know it it ran i ran it down it was getting close it was like 20 dollars left in there something like that and then finally i hit that mug on five dollar bet on it and It got it on. It shot it on up there. And next thing you know, I ran this thing back up to 300. And then I looked, I told her, I was like, goes down to 250. I'm done. And I played with it a little bit more. And then I was just like, all right, it's time to go get fucked up. Now, were you doing those, uh, were you doing those like old fashioned slots? Or are you doing like the new, like computer game slots that look like a, like an app store application? You know what I'm talking about? Like the Fruit Ninja slots. Is that what they do up there in Virginia? Well, that's what they do in the convenience stores around here. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen, I know people that play them. These are like actual casino slots, like okay. real. Like if you went anywhere to a casino, this is what you would see. Okay. So the reason I bring that up is because my mom and her friends, her like retired Filipino friends now, they like they love to go on cruise ships, and 
this is literally all they do. Some of our friends have been on so many cruises that they have like free drink tickets. So they have just have like free bar when they're in the casino and they have like free money to play with. So they sit in there for like eight to 10 hours just drinking and like hitting slot buttons. And these new age slots look like it looks like Candy Crush or it looks like one of these like mobile games that are on there. And it's like it's so damn confusing for me to even keep up with. So I they they live and die by it. Like my mom won like $1,500 on the slot machine at the, at the cruise ship casino the last time she was there. And I'm sitting there like grinding on the poker table playing like two for no limit for like 20 bucks an hour. Um, and she's over there just cashing jackpots. So maybe that's the move, man. Maybe slots is just the new plus EV uh, gambling move. Just go ahead and. Well, I'll tell you, you gotta, you gotta have a little luck rolling with it. I mean, of no. course. <laughs> but, but it's also, it's also one of those things that like, you gotta play with it, you know, with your 50 cent bet versus your five, $5 bet. You gotta yeah. play it. How many lines you play if it's a game like that where you pick how many lines to and whatever. And I mean, it, it's just one of those things. You just got to have that feeling and have the most money on when that damn thing does hit. Right. Like you don't want 50 cent on the damn extra spins and when it starts doing all kinds of shit, yeah. then you get, get paid back very little. <laughs> and you what know you me, do? and you know me, I don't like very little. What you got to do is you've got to you've got to scout the casino room and you got to find the machine that's uh, that the person that just sat there looks like pissed. You want the you want the machine to just took like two k of someone else's money. You <laughs> sit down there, you put twenty bucks in, and it's just like jackpot city because well, that I think that's what my brother in law see. I while I was eating, I guess he was walking around and whatever. Well, he goes and sits down at this one, and then I sit down beside him at the one beside him. He won a grand on that yeah. one, but he was there first. But he also told me, he was like, I've been kind of sitting here watching these two and a couple of people have already ran how much ever through. He was like, try that one out. So that was the one. If I had more time and was patient enough and wasn't trying to get more beer and dance a little bit, and, yeah. you know, carry on, I, I probably would have sat there and played with that 300 for a little while. <laughs> lost it all <laughs> it don't matter i've lost a whole lot more before <laughs> oh trust me me too so um so yeah i guess that's that's it for the mx now that now that we got our five minutes of golf talk and about 15 minutes of uh slot machine strategy you got anything else for the mx brother because i'm i got nothing that's about how much i like the mx same yeah i hate that fucking tournament and I, then to I, make matters worse you got a guy up there did get interesting on sunday i was i was, I was thinking yeah, hell yeah. I was, I was thinking it was – well, see, I took Chris Kirk live. At what? What number? Like 100 to 1? I think it was when he was like 25 to 1. Somewhere when he started – I mean, he tore the front nine up. He was yeah. tearing it up when I took it. And it – he just went cold. I was like, come on, man. Come on, man. Like, That's the thing, I, like – when 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 you're five shots back at the MX, you just have to make everything because they're not coming backwards. You just have to make birdie on every fucking hole. Yeah, you know? there's no there's nowhere dangerous on that. Did Brom even make a bogey? What he make one bogey all week? I think he we made bogey. Mean, he three putted like he three putted on Saturday for bogey. Yeah, Unless I we, mean, yeah. when you got the no, hey, I call him the number one player in the world because I think that's where he's headed back to, and I think he is probably he had a rough year putting last year, whatever it was. Yeah. It looks like he's fixed it. 
Oh, it's fixed. Yeah. <laughs> it's fixed. And <laughs> you're rolling twenty five hundred for fun. And I mean, I, I'm a big. I like Rom. I just hate the pricing that yeah. he gets. I mean, it's and I understand why because they're they're really trying to take that damn his top ten. See, it crushes that when when you yeah. got somebody that goes off at four and a half to damn one. Now their yeah. top ten's what minus. Yeah, minus one thirty for a top ten or something like that. Probably worse here at Tory. Um, but yeah, I mean, when he's on, man, it just feels like his floor is like T fourteen. You know, anywhere on the earth. You know, and, and the thing is that I I kind of learned this past week because a lot of my dissent about Rom over the first two events of the year that he's won both of them uh, was the fact that his wedge play has been pretty subpar over the last six to eight months. That's kind of been the only thing holding him back. I mean, we know about the driving, excuse me, the long iron play, the short game, but the wedge play has been the one thing that's really kind of held him back from contending, and especially a lot of these like easier birdie parties. And it kind of rung true at Kapalua. Even though he won at Kapalua, he lost strokes and approach um, at a really wedge intensive golf course. But here at the Amex, one thing I noticed was the wedge play was phenomenal, but it was because the greens were a little bit harder. There was a little bit more bounce to them. And I think the main problem that Rom gets into, the main kind of – the reason why he's kind of so bad with wedges over the long term is a lot of these kind of more softer, receptive golf courses where the ball's going to rip um, with a wedge in your hand, especially a full swing with some of the greats enough speed that Rom – or as much speed as Rom does – like you saw to Kapalua, like he would, it's not like the, it's not like he can't hit a wedge online. It's the fact that he lands at pin high and it rips back 25 feet. And all of a sudden, you know, 25 feet from a hundred yards on the PGA tour, is not going to get you too much. So when the greens do firm up a little bit, and I think as we get into the summertime and we play a lot of these more firm, fast, fiery golf courses, um, the wedge plays, I mean, it's, it's not going to become near as much of an issue as we saw maybe in the swing season and maybe early last year so um yeah we're running out of nits to pick with ron that's for that's for fucking sure uh so it's it's scary from like uh from where i sit because i spent a lot of time talking about outright betting but uh man when that dude's on it's it's just everything's in the fairway you take you aim and fire at every green and every putt looks like it's going in so uh yeah that's what i got to watch for four days at the mx hoping tom Kim could somehow track him down from five shots back what about, about after so- I thought after uh, what was it? Was it Friday when Kim went really low? Friday, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, I thought we might have a shot when when he fired that. I was like, he might be in, into it now. We'll see. And Saturday he played all right, and then Sunday is kind of Sunday he played know. good. He, he had two. Oh, yeah, that's right, he did. Saturday he was the day he kind of was whatever. Yeah. I mean, it. It is what it is. It's a fucking yeah. putting contest. You heard yeah. Rom say it. Fucking putting he contest. Shot, dude, the, the dude shot 23 under par and was never contention to win the golf tournament. Think about that. I think Tom Kim shot, what, 69, 62, 67, 67? Yeah. Something in that range. You got, and you never, had a, never had a look to win. <laughs> are those are those the easy? Is that the easiest tournament on tour? Pretty yeah. much. I would say so. I mean, Whenever Harry Higgs is shooting 62s, you know that something's wrong with their fucking setup. I mean, I know the John Deere and like certain, you know, certain stops that they kind of have those low, low round shooters in the middle of the year around the majors. Yeah. Like they, 
they can go low at some of them, but Jesus Christ, this place like just seems like it. It, yeah, like you're putting, <laughs> you're putting fifteen feet all week long. I mean, I, uh, I don't know. I, I think I could probably shoot in the low eighties or high seventies at, at some of these gosh, at some of those venues. To be quite honest with you, I mean, it's just full of three hundred and seventy-five yard par fours. If you can't make well, on that kind of golf course, then you don't deserve to be out there. The biggest factor is is like the rough, you know. Yeah. That if you get on a course with these guys with no rough and it's just bombing, it, yeah. and, and it you know how it is. I mean, I can play on a course that's a little bit more wide open and no rough versus an actual place that has a even right. even a three inch rough or two inch rough or whatever. Like mm-hmm. it's going to affect the shit out of me so i mean that throws in the biggest factor of where you separate your your really good players at at the pga tour level versus you're not so is how they get out of that thicker rough i feel like a lot of times and some of those guys hit it like it looks like (laughs) freaking like it never even phases the thing is i think they could grow the rough out on those golf courses it still wouldn't fucking matter because these guys have lob wedges in their hands like 90 percent of the time so I mean, these guys are going to be able to control their their distance with a lob wedge, no matter where what their lie looks like. Probably in most circumstances, outside of maybe the, maybe the U.S. Open. Yeah, it's so um, short. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, we talked about it last week. It's not a PJ Tour venue, so that's that's enough Aaron grievances. I do want to kind of get to two players though that that weren't kind of at the top of the leaderboard. Number one is Rory's guy Cam Young. That dude's a fucking flusher. Like, because we got on him uh, Thursday afternoon at sixty six to one when he kind of had a bit of a slower start. On a, I think it was a Nicholas course he started on, but I watched a lot of his his round at La Quinta and then both rounds of the stadium courses. And man, I mean, he just creates so many birdie looks inside like 15 feet. And if he like if he putted worth a shit over the course of the week, like he could have really made a charge. Probably not to catch Rom, but at least to like finish top five, top ten. Uh, because at a golf course as defenseless as it's like the MX. Um, he can just go full bore off the tee, and then his wedge play is really, really good. Uh, inside 100 yards, yeah. one of the better wedge players on tour. So I'm stunned he's not here. I'm kind of pissed he's not here uh, at Torrey because I think this is a really good setup for him. But he's a guy I could see uh, wasting quite a bit of money on uh, here in the next here in the next few uh, few months. I kind of oh, we're gonna hammer him. We're gonna get him. We're gonna hammer the shit out of him when he wins too. I'm telling yep. you, I, I play him almost every week. I know you I do. Change, yeah. <laughs> I change my bet sizes. I'm not missing that first one. I know it's coming yeah. at some point this year. I mean, I went back and looked like you were saying. I just wanted to see what his stats were over the course of the four rounds, which I know it wasn't kept on two of the damn courses, so it's only showing two rounds. Yeah, but his strokes, strokes gained off the tee and approach were fucking good. It just was the putting. Yeah. It just won't. And I think he's the type of guy, and I told told Teaser Nation this, I was like, it almost seems like the more difficult the damn course is and the faster the greens are, the better this guy does. He can't. Yeah. He seems to struggle somewhat on slower greens, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like he can't hit it hard enough, be aggressive enough on them. You know, being faster kind of takes care of it for him. Yeah. But being on slower greens, it, it just – I think he, he just hadn't got that – that feel yet for slower greens where he can be aggressive and not worry about over aggressiveness. Yeah. You know, he's a country club kid from sleepy hollow. So he's probably used to those country club style championship greens, 12 on the stem, 12 and a half on the stem. He's probably 
pretty well used to that fast bent grass that he grew up with in uh, in New York. So that that would make a lot of sense. And I mean, whenever you have a difficult golf course where the winning score is not going to be twenty eight under par, um, it really accentuates a lot more of the TD green aspects that he's more strong in. And um, you know, he's just got so many damn elite tools. And when the putter does finally come good, um, he's a guy that I think could beat any field in, in the world of golf. Uh, so. I'm hoping to get like a 33, 35 to one when we get kind of into the swing of things here and like your Phoenixes, your Rivieras in the Florida swing. Uh, Cause anything over 30, I, I'm just going to, I have no choice to, but to, to lay the hammer on, on that kid. Cause he is, he's so goddamn talented. Give so, us three, give us 30 at damn Riviera, please. Yeah. He came second there last year. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we'll get it at, at Riv, uh, but Hey, you never know. I mean, the field's going to be great. So, and then the second guy, is uh is Taylor Montgomery? Oh, finish, I was, finish I was glad you brought this up. Finish, <laughs> <laughs> Rory, <laughs> please, Rory, please tell me you heard his rant last week. Did you listen to his rant? Oh yeah, I heard it. <laughs> he sound he sounds like hey. like me with um like Denny Hamlin or somebody <laughs> almost like all the team Toyota guys. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, look, I'm willing to make concessions when someone proves me wrong and look he lost he lost i think he gained like half a stroke on approach through two rounds so it wasn't a phenomenal round of golf or like ball striking display from taylor montgomery i think mainly he was carried a lot by the putter like he has been over the last six months but i will say from the little bit i did track of taylor montgomery over the weekend he played two straight rounds of the stadium course the wedge play looked actually pretty damn good. Like, and why lies the place, the, the place where I was, you know, obviously really, really um, upset with him at a couple weeks ago. Why lies the place that you don't really get a ton of wedge looks. It's a lot of, it's a club down golf course. It's a place where you can't really let loose off the tee and you're going to be left with a lot of, you know, longer irons as a result because you're clubbing down with driving irons and three woods off the tee at a place like the MX where you can kind of, again, go full board with the driver and have a lot of short clubs in your hand. He was creating chances inside six, seven, eight, nine feet. So with his putter, if he's able to continually create those chances, and it seems like the wedge play is right now the strength of his game. And he kind of said as much in the in I think it was the second round or third round post-round presser at the Sony, where he said, I mean, obviously he knows his iron play is the thing that's holding him back. I mean, these guys all have access to their stats. Um, and he said it himself. He said that with a wedge in his hand, he feels as confident as he feels confident he can match a lot of the guys on the PJ tour. But as the, as you get further and further away from the hole and you're required to hit longer and longer irons in the greens, that's where he feels like he starts to struggle. Um, and we saw that at Amex. So that's something that maybe I didn't take fully, maybe as seriously as I, as I maybe should have. Um, but at these kind of wedge intensive birdie parties, very similar to what we saw on the corn fairy tour uh, from him last year. I remember he, he led the corn fairy tour in scoring average in 2021. So, this is a guy that has been doing it for quite some time. Um, and I think, yeah, if, if conditions are wide open and he's got a lot of wedges in his hand, then maybe I need to rethink my uh, my stance on him, like never being able to win on the PG Tour. Now, keep in mind, we're going to the opposite of the MX this week. So uh, the full fate is back on on Taylor Montgomery. I'm looking for miscut odds as uh, as we speak. But, um, but yeah, he, he did impress me this week. He, he, um, he showed me that he's capable of generating bloody looks. Um, at a higher rate than we saw, we've really seen to this point in his PGA Tour career. So, yeah, props to Montgomery, solo five finish. All the guys that have been riding that T20 bandwagon or 
like printing money. So <laughs> happy for all my boys uh, on golf Twitter doing that. But uh, yeah, just want to kind of get that out of the way before. I'm sure that got brought up later. Yeah, I was definitely going to bring that up. I have a few names, other names I do want to talk about, but we're 25 minutes in. We haven't even gotten to this week's content, so I'll <laughs> I'll table it for. That's what happens get... when that's what happens when you bring Rory on. <laughs> hey, that's 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 part of the that's part of it, right? That's part of the deal. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so this week, obviously, uh, we are headed. We're staying out in the West Coast. Um, at uh, while we're in San Diego, we're playing at Torrey Pines uh, for the Farmers Insurance Open. Um, so, Ian, let's kick it back to you to hear your course breakdown, uh, what your model looks like, and then I'll start reeling off some names from the odds board and, and give some guys that I'm looking at deeper down as well to, to get your uh, get your insight on. Cool. So I'm actually going to throw a little bit of a curveball here, and you guys don't know this. Um, okay. But I am actually going to throw it to Rory to start. And that's this is only because I think Torrey Pines is a place that is pretty easy to diagnose for a lot of even casual golf fans. So – I kind of want to hear Roy's angle on what he's looking for this week, and then I can maybe, um, yeah, come in with my more extensive thoughts in my in my kind of little write up here. So, Roy, when you think of Tory Pines, man, what do you what kind of comes to mind? What players you're looking for? What kind of skill set um, really kind of speaks to you at a place uh, like this? I think Tita Green here. I mean, you have to have a all around pretty good damn game to get around this place. I mean, it's hosted U.S. Opens. Yeah, if that if it had the U.S. Open rough, that even I mean it it makes this place really difficult. I mean it firms up, gets hard. Right now, you know this time of the year, it, it's a little bit softer, shorter rough. So you see a little bit lower scores, but you still got to be a ball player. You can't have an off off day out there and expect you're going to get around this place unless you're a rom or somebody like that i mean if if he's spraying it all over the place off the tee he can still get around he he's just good but you know a player that that like relies more so on that driving accuracy and let's say they're having a shitty day it just turns into a really shitty day like that that's that's, I love this tournament. It, it's one of my favorite stops of the year. I mean, as far as it, it, it usually brings in a pretty good field. I fe- I thought it would be more, but if it seems like they're fo- they're focusing more on a few other tournaments this year. It seems like of putting everybody in them for the most part. So it's still big names in, in this, and I I think I think we could see a competitive leaderboard come Sunday. I mean, I I think it'll. I think it'll be somebody that sneaks up in there from the outside, but I, I think this is where you see more of the cream rise to the top a lot of times. And and your players that are playing really good coming into this, I mean, you can't exclude them. But like you were saying about Montgomery, start adding distance into those second shots instead yeah. of just wedges. And that's what I was talking about. Like this course can make some people struggle if they're not good with a mid iron or even a long iron in their hands. I mean yeah. – it's a, it's a beautiful view. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't be a, San Diego in, in January. That's yeah. There's there. That's that's one of the bigger selling points. I think for why they they kind of come here at this time of year. But yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to throw it to Rory because I think I'm going to echo a lot of what he just said. And yeah, the fact that we're 27 and a half minutes in and we are not even to the Osborne yet, I think um, you know it's better just to streamline this process because you're going to listen. If you listen to any kind of golf podcast this week, I think you're going to hear a lot of the same things about Torrey Pines. I can pretty much just sum it up in like four things. So number one, I absolutely echo Rory sentiment. Driving is so, so important at a place like Torrey Pines. We're talking about 
the south course is the place we're talking about. Obviously, this is another uh, – this is a two-course rotation this week. So, guys, we play in the north course and the south course in rounds one and two in some order. Those that made the cut have two rounds on the south. The south is the course that everyone's familiar with. It's the U.S. Open venue, uh, most recently in 2021. I mean, Torrey Pines is, for me – I mean, I feel like I grew up with Torrey Pines. It holds a lot of sentimental value to me. I mean, one of my first, like – very vivid golf watching memories is Tiger Woods in the 2008 U.S. Open, uh, watching both weekend rounds, and then obviously moving on to uh, to beat Rock Immediate in the Monday in the Monday 18-hole playoff. Uh, my favorite golfer of all times, Jason Day, who won here twice, kind of in the peak of his powers in 2015 and 2018. So uh, this is a golf course that again I kind of grew up with. It's an iconic track. It's not maybe the most nuanced or interesting golf course in terms of like topography and architecture, but. Um, but Roy's right. The cream rises to the top here. You tend to get really, really strong leaderboards and uh, almost certainly a, a Sunday duel between two really, really top players. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on the North course because, number one, there's only going to be one round played there, um, obviously, this week. And it's a pretty straightforward golf course. It's only a 7,258-yard par 72. Um, notably, it has bent grass greens. We'll talk about the greens on the South course here in a little bit. Uh, but bent grass greens on the North course – uh, a 70.52 scoring average, routinely one of the easier courses played on the PJ Tour. Um, it has four very drivable par, four, uh, drivable par fives, reachable par fives, I should say, one drivable par four, um, and not a ton of really bogey holes. There's only four holes with a bogey rate, excuse me, over 20%, and plenty of chances to make birdies. So really the, the blueprint here is to kind of go low on the north course and then kind of hold on and kind of hold your position on the leaderboard as you get and transition into the more difficult south course. Uh, only, actually, no champion since 1983 of this event has shot over par on the north course. So um, if you are looking to live add in tournament, um, that would be something to, to keep in mind. Um, if you if your guys already played the north course and he's sitting at T74, probably not a, a worthwhile investment with three courses to, with three rounds to play uh, on Torrey Pine South. Moving on to, again, the main event, uh, the more – important and from a handicapping perspective um, and the more iconic golf course of the two, the South course at Torrey Pines, it is a 7,700 yard, 65, uh, 77 or yeah, 7,765 yard golf course. I don't know why I messed that up, uh, but this, these, uh, the South course has Poana greens. The scoring average here is just a shade under 73 and it's routinely one of the top 10 most difficult courses played on tour. As Roy mentioned, driving distance is incredibly important on the 7,700 yard. 100-yard golf course, as you'd expect. Uh, five of the last seven winners here finished inside the top 30 on tour in driving distance for the season, and 77 of the top 10 finishers of the last four years have gained on the field in driving distance. So I personally think driving distance, and Roy touched on as well, is more important actually here at the Farmers than it would be uh, at a potential U.S. Open in June. And that's because, obviously, we're in January. Uh, San Diego isn't exactly known for its harsh winners, but the course isn't going to be playing nearly as fiery as the iterations we'll see in June for the U.S. Open, uh, which means less roll in the fairways, further emphasis on driving distance, carry distance, and long iron play because guys are not going to be able to get the requisite roll that you would have in June uh, to shorten those approach shots in. So from a ball striking perspective, I'm looking at total driving, but more importantly, driving distance. And then long iron play is super, super important here. Um, over 50% of approach shots over the last five years have – been from outside 175 yards you have long par fours long par threes reachable par fives you're gonna be hitting a long iron here on 13 or 14 of the 18 holes so uh again pretty simple handicap from like a ball striking perspective um i will say that these are also 
as you would expect with these difficult scoring conditions, some of the more difficult greens to hit in regulation as well, which means scrambling for the first time in a good while uh, will be highly emphasized for me. And then finally, I'll kind of talk about the green complexes here at Torrey Pines. Not exactly the most uh, nuanced or tricky in terms of sloping um, and, yeah, and grade and, and whatnot, but the grass type, the Poana, West Coast Poana, um, makes these some of the hardest greens to put on, especially inside of about five or 10 feet. Um, this course rates out number two in putting difficulty from five feet and in uh, on the PJ Tour just – uh, behind Riviera, Tuga, two courses on the West Coast on Puana Greens. The reason for that being Puana is a naturally uneven surface. If you watch um, Tiger's famous putt on the 72nd hole to send it into a to send the 2008 US Open into a playoff against Rocco Media, you'll kind of understand what I'm talking about. They do a ground level view of that putt, and I don't know how he made that damn thing because the ball is bouncing like it's not rolling true at all. It looks like a like a damn uni course that you and I play for 20 bucks. Um, the way that ball's bouncing on the green, somehow Tiger makes it because he's Tiger Woods and he wins his 14th major championship uh, that weekend. Um, but yeah, Poana is a just a really, again, different service from what these guys are used to. You're going to see a lot of guys tapping down imaginary spike marks when they miss like a three or four footer. It's just going to play. It's going to head fuck a lot of guys, just frankly. Um, and if you're not used to you haven't grown up on or you haven't proven that you're good on Poana greens, you're kind of a fade for me this week uh, because this course is difficult enough as it is from Tita green. And if you can't reliably make four five, six footers on this kind of uh, on this grass service, uh, I just don't see much hope in you keeping up with kind of the top thoroughbreds in this field. So uh, name of the game again, be phenomenal off the tee, have a stock shot from 175 to 225 prepared into small, difficult greens. Um, Phenomenal short game and Poana putting splits um, are the four main things I'm looking at. If you kind of want to look at some of the past champions to kind of underline my point here, last year, Luke List beat Will Zalatoris in the playoff. You want to talk about two guys, TD Reed Monsters, super long off the tee, phenomenal long iron players. Patrick Reed in 2021 uh, with a, had a runaway five-shot win at uh, minus 14. Reed kind of breaks the trend a little bit with the ball striking, but you're talking about a guy who has a world-class short game. I mean, one of the best um, – scramblers we've seen in the last what 15 20 years probably on tour so reed kind of fits maybe the second um tier of guys whereas a lot of the past champions i'm going to list off are kind of ball striking phenoms you got to have your reeds your snedekers a little bit of your leastmans and roses um that lean a little bit more on the short game um which is another kind of again path to success here so list last year reed in 2021 mark leastman won in 2020 by one over john rom uh, Justin Rose won by two over Adam Scott in 2019. Jason Day beat Alex Norwood and Ryan Palmer in a playoff in 2018. John Rahm uh, won by three over CH3 and CT Pan in 2017. That was his first uh, win on the PGA Tour. Uh, just a note there. 2016, Brent Snedeker won by one over KJ Toy. And then 2015, Jason Day um, won in a playoff over Harris English, Scott Stallings, and JB Holmes. So a lot of those guys, again, distance off the tee play short game putting like Roy said you've got to be an all-around player you cannot fake it around Tory Pines because you will get exposed very very quickly and if you if these guys are off uh it's one of the few events that we've seen so far in the PGA Tour season where um guys will be turning in 76 to 77 78 on a pretty regular basis if again they don't have the games in order so it's a really good 
opening week, it's a really good barometer for kind of where these guys' games are at. Because, like I said, if uh, if you're not firing on all, all cylinders, this place will uh, will not hesitate to to send you packing home early. So, um, yeah, again, very much the opposite from what we talked about last week at Amex, where super easy scoring conditions, a lot of just already plus from 15 feet it in, and therefore a lot of um, a lot more win equity at the bottom of the odds board compared to, you know, your average other event, just talking through like the fast winners, the MX uh, with here at Torrey Pines, only two of the last 11 winners have closed at greater than 41 in odds boards. And um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense given just the extremely limited skill set uh, that you need uh, to contend here. So this is a major championship venue. It's not going to play again, as difficult as it would um, at a, at a June US open, but it's about the closest we've had. Uh, certainly thus far in 2023. So, um, yeah, that should wrap it up. Hopefully I didn't talk too fast because I'm trying to kind of get through all this, but um, we will uh, we'll move on to the odds board and talk through maybe some potential bets and potential fades. Did you put? Did you have a, um, a top 10 for your model this week? Did you want to lay out or no? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, to that's, be honest. I, I know it's something we've just been doing, but you don't have to yeah. if you don't want to. No, for sure. I, I just don't think there's going to be too many um, surprises. <laughs> surprises. Yeah, exactly. So last 50 rounds, again, my, my key stats, driving distance, strokes gain off the tee, strokes gain approach, <clears> long <throat> proximity, bogey avoidance, strokes gain around the greens, par five scoring and tee to green play, um, as well as strokes gain total and difficult scoring conditions and uh, Poana putting, specifically on the West Coast. And when I talk about West Coast Poana going forward, it's going to be primarily Torrey Pines, Riviera, Pebble Beach are the three courses that we see on a year and year out basis that, that use this grass type. Uh, so number one in my model is Xander Shoffley. Uh, number two is Tony Finau. John Rahm is number three. And that's probably only because I'm looking a bit too far long-term as you shrink the sample size down. Rahm obviously will, his stock will grow, but still number three of the last 50 rounds. Uh, Will Zalatoris at four, Max Home at five, Justin Thomas, Kirk Kitayama, Sungjae Im, Cameron Davis, and Brendan Steele uh, round out my top 10 there. So again, not a whole hell of a lot of, of surprises, and I think that's gonna that's gonna align with my philosophy as we kind of get into the outright betting board because I don't again think this is a tournament you need to be messing around too far down the board uh, by any means. Well, you already said one name that I was gonna bring it up later, so I'm glad to hear that. But we will jump over to this odds board and we'll kind of jump into some of these names um, that we'll talk about. I think we kind of did our spiel on Rom, unless you guys have anything more to say on Rom. Uh, but the guy sitting number two on the odds board is a guy I want to talk about because uh, he just finished T3 this past week after withdrawing with a back injury, what, two, three short weeks ago? Um, and I just heard him as number one in your model. So Xander sitting here at 11 to 1. Any, and I guess we'll throw a 20 feet out of there with him um, as they're both one and two, I guess, in your model or one yeah. and three. Um, I don't remember where Tony finished last week. Where did he finish? T20. T16, T16. So, um, yeah, so I guess these two guys, they're at the top. They've got a lot of recent form. Um, did you give them any thought to, to, to making a click up here? Actually, oh, and I should point out, this has been the first time in a while that I don't know Ian's card before the show. So I have no clue where we're going tonight. I don't even know if he's made any yeah. clicks yet. Normally I know his card by now, but we don't know yet. Yeah, so I, I do not have a bet. So it's okay. Monday it's, it's Monday evening. Obviously, you guys know the, the tournament starts on Wednesday, so we are trying to get all this preparation and – this show out early so everyone can kind of, you know, do their stuff before the uh, before the tournament starts on Wednesday. Um, again, Rom at four and a half to one, probably the most compelling four and a half to one outright golf bet you might ever see. 
Um, I literally can't fault anybody uh, that wants to kind of pin their entire week on this guy. For my personal scale, he's just complete stay away because I try and – I mean, it would take like $500 for me to reach like my, my like intended uh, winning number basically, um, which would far exceed my, my weekly budget. So for me, who kind of aims for like a six and a half, seven to one return – on investments, a four and a half to one bet's just not really in the cards. But, um, yeah, I was on the record early in the year on, I think it was Byron's podcast, uh, talking about the Sony when I, it was kind of right post after he just, uh, Rom just won Kapalua. I said that I would absolutely consider Rom like a six and a half or seven to one if it was a single bullet kind of week. Um, but unfortunately for us, I think peak Rom came a little bit too early in the year to have any hope of getting a decent number here at Tory. So, Again, literally nothing bad to say. I have no nits to pick. I'm sure Rory probably doesn't either. Um, but it just kind of comes down to if you think Rom wins this event at what, like a 20% clip, that would you know make this a profitable bet long term. Um, four after one's a, it's kind of a gross price to swallow. But I, to your point though, like for for casual golf betters, yeah. they're like they're like salivating at that price. Like yeah. I, I I legitimately had a buddy at work text me today. I was like plus four fifty. That seems like free money, and I'm like. Okay, go ahead. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a 155-man field, and you, you need him to win 20% of the time, almost 20% of the time. So yeah. I think he probably contends, like, 60% of the time, 55% of the time. Like, I think he's within two or three to lead heading to Sunday. Like, it's very possible, obviously. But for him to actually win the golf, I mean, I don't know. It, it's just different schools of thought. Again, I can't really fault it because I can't make a legit argument against it. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's worth noting that like, we're not anti-ROM. It's just, it's all price dependent here. So, um, in terms of Xander and Finau, it's kind of unfortunate because I think what they're 11 and 12 to one right now on, on the odds board that we're looking at now. And mm-hmm. I think you can kind of find 12 and 14, just shopping around for me. And we'll kind of talk about this for the next, maybe five or six names, uh, including these two, but. I don't really have a ton of separation, even though Xander's number one on model and Finau, I think, is two. Um, I don't really have a ton of separation between them and some of the guys in the 16, 18 to one range we might talk about in a second. So, look, I mean, Xander's a guy that has finished, I think they both actually finished runner up here in the past. Um, I mean, this is, they do exactly what's required at Tory Pines. They both hit it a hell of a long way off the tee, both phenomenal total drivers, great long iron players. I think Xander's actually the number one. Uh, iron play in this field from outside 200 yards, short game putting. Um, Xander be, being a California guy, San Diego guy. Um, obviously, we'll have experience on these type of greens. Tony um, has contended at Riviera. He's contended here. He has a phenomenal track record at Torrey Pines. And, you know, he just wanted a place at Houston that does that kind of tests you in a lot of the same ways where you have to hit a lot of drivers of the tee. It's a big ballpark. You've got to hit a lot of long irons in the greens. And it's the score conditions tend to be pretty difficult. Um, so in terms of their actual skill sets, I don't have a lot to say against them. Um, it is kind of crazy that Xander was 28 to one, 30 to one at Amex. And now he's the consensus second favorite here at, at Torrey Pines. Again, um, I just think we're kind of at a point in the odds board where I'm not particularly comfortable trusting the win equity at 12 to one or 14 to one. But in terms of the actual profile, uh, there's not a ton to, to say against, uh, Xander or Fino. I just happened to happen to not think the gap is that big uh, as we kind of go further on the board and, and talk about maybe some of the more um, value quote unquote base names. What about you, Roy? What do you think about these guys at the top here? Are you willing to go up to the top or are you waiting as well to go a little bit deeper? 
I mean, the price is understandable. Why why Rom is where he is, and I mean, don't get me wrong, world class player, but four fifty and and golf has probably never been as competitive as it is right now. I mean, a few of the good players like that actually have been playing good left and went to live, but it also hurts the price and running off of their name being in this and then you take out where we don't have scotty in this we don't have rory in this yeah. like that would help spread this out a little bit more where where some guy these guys probably would be playable in that spot like i wouldn't fault you for taking them i just don't know if i would take any of these dudes right here besides rom i i would take rom if i was solely just like rom's winning he's hot as shit and I'm just going straight up, like you said, five five hundred dollars, two fifty, two fifty at least to win a thousand. I mean, that's usually what I'm shooting for is to win a thousand off off of my outrights normally when I play them. So you're you're basically like you said, single bullet. And you ain't playing nobody else because it you you don't want to be sitting there with all these damn outrights and you think the damn favorite that's four fifty is going to wally. Molly walked the field. Yeah. Like roll with it and hope he jumps out early and has the damn lead and hedge that bitch. If it, if well, it's, yeah, you can't hedge though, at plus 450, you can't hedge. Yeah. I mean, I'm just yeah. talking about more so like, let's say you're going into Sunday and you see a guy that might be three shots back that just because right. Rom's in the lead and you think he might actually get into play and have a shot. True. Somebody you can get, you know, at that. I mean, if Rom, Rom, the way Rom's playing right now, and he opens a tournament at plus four fifty. If yeah. he is playing good and out three shots going into Sunday, even the second place guy, probably especially here at Tory, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be some decent odds you can grab somebody back there and take a chance on. But it's just taking a chance. I mean, it's nothing yeah. more more than that. But you, I would, me personally. I would rather just – I mean, I know it's going to be a heavy price on him on matchups more than likely until he, like, actually gets matched up with somebody good maybe the final two days. But, I mean, I would almost rather just take him and parlay him up with somebody else that I really like to knock it down some. And and things like of that nature is yeah. what I would target in an event like this. And it's like it's like that with X and Fee now, depending on who they're matched up with and the price. And I think both of them are going to be really good this week and, and will be great matchup targets unless they're playing each other. Then I'm just leaving it alone because that's like flipping a damn coin unless you just see something that your confidence is more so on this player and, and you want it. I mean – I don't. That's how I go into matchups, and that's how I go into the tournament a lot of times. Where a lot of people, me, I don't play nowhere near as many long shots as everybody else does because I'm not as good as y'all y'all guys are. I might tell some of your stuff or whatever, but I'm more of your top of the board type guy. And then I know, I know how to read strokes gained and different things after rounds, and kind of just I've been doing it for a while, and I put two and two together in a field, and it's like. Does this guy let me down or does this guy not let me down? I mean, I pick, I always end up with these same players half the time, but it's because they win. Like right. yeah, I have confidence in them. Yeah, I, I and mean, I think I think Roy's Roy's point is really well stated, especially here. 
because like I said in the course preview, like I think the difference between your 12 to one guys and your 50 to one guys at a place like Torrey Pines is far, far like it's just much more exacerbated than at a place like Amex where I feel like you could take a guy that's plus 300 in a one-on-one matchup. And I think he's got a decent chance to win just at a place like that. Whereas Torrey Pines, you kind of just have to, you kind of just need the shots. You just kind of have to execute the shots. There's no options, right? You just hit your driver long and straight and hit to hit a long iron flush and pure and hit the green, right? Like it, there's just not really too many shortcuts you can take around Torrey. And I think as we kind of maybe get into the single round matchups and get into the, even the full tournament matchups, it could be super profitable just to maybe take a little bit of the chalk and, and lay some juice um, and just trust the fact that, hey, these guys are playing well. They have obviously the requisite skill set we're looking for. And if you're, you know, even if it's just 18 holes, a guy that's 40 to one on the odds board is just not going to have the horsepower to keep up with the Xander Shoffley FB now or Rom. So I think that's actually super well stated. Um, and maybe you think it, about it like when Tiger was playing, these are Tiger odds. Yeah, even though Tigers were even worse than this sometimes. I mean, I think I remember seeing two plus two hundred fifty or two, yeah, something stupid on him before, like back when he was just killing it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you if you've got a dude like that that almost you feel like every time he tees it up might win the damn thing, and I I mean, Ron winning two off the bat already. This this could be the most wins in a PGA Tour season since Tiger. I mean, what a Tiger, 10 most he's had in a year, 10? I don't know if it's, 11, up, some, it's I, up there. Boom, at least eight or nine, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's almost more – like I get to thinking up here, I'm like, well, I'm not wasting money on this. I'd rather just take all that money and put it on matchups. Yeah. Or, I mean, but that's just the way that I – I mean, I, I play it like that in NASCAR. I play it like that in golf. I mean – yeah. I feel like in, in NASCAR, I do take more outrights because it, it it's less cars, for one thing, than golfers out there. Yeah. That And different, different – I mean, that's just 450. You just really got to have that feeling. No, it, and yeah, and the thing is, right, like this is a like great correlated NASCAR because in NASCAR, right, I think, especially like the intermediates and some of the – and some maybe the, the road courses, like – you what you might you might circle six or seven guys that actually have a legit chance of winning on my short list this week like because i i make my short list of you know it's like it's like a go take it back to like high school basketball tryouts like you you make your cut your first cut your second cut and then you just cut all the way down to what your final card inevitably is i've got 10 players on my initial short list like the first list i made when odds dropped i've got 10 guys that i think and like i'm actually interested in betting them to win the golf tournament so it's just one of those weeks. It's not often we get in this type of weeks with golf, you know, where me and Chris are usually talking, you know, guys from 80, 100, 125 to 1. Um, but we're going to round names pretty damn quick, for me at least, uh, to have. So, if there – again, if there was a week where you really want to lay some chalk, um, yeah, I, I I don't have anything to say bad against Rom, Shoffley, or really even Fino. Um, it's well, really- it seems like, seems like you do pretty damn good with that, man. Narrow, I'm gonna start trying that. I'm gonna narrow it down to ten, and then cut and cut. Yeah, like, I'm. I'm more if you're just feel. Like I roll through there already. At the beginning of the week, I already have somebody, a few people in mind, and I just want to see what that number is. And then sometimes you immediately see a stupid number, 
And it's yeah. like, if I don't hurry up and take this, I feel like it's going to drop. And it, it more than likely does on most occasions. Mm-hmm. And then go from like, I, I'll go back through looking and whatever, yeah. but that's all. I, that's all. I'm I not as good as I'm not as good as you picking out rights on golf tournaments. I do better in these ter- style. Like the bigger tournaments are, the better I do. But yeah. you actually hit like long shots. <laughs> every, every now and again, Roy, I, I get I get plenty wrong. Trust me, Chris. <laughs> Chris can attest to that. Um, just full disclosure: if Taylor Montgomery would have fucking won last week, you would not have seen me. You, I would not have. <laughs> We would have closed up shop for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, Twitter, the Twitter page would have been deleted. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I was going to. Oh yeah, I kind of feel the way about Xander because I I opened the I opened the odds this morning when I kind of first woke up and he was fourteen to one on odds board and that was something I really really got close to to making a move on and then by the time I kind of had to get stuff done and come back to it at lunch uh, he was already down to eleven or twelve so it would be disingenuous for me to be like oh no I don't really like Xander this week because I. Could have very well bet him if he was still at fourteen to one, but these are kind of the, again the the micro stands you have to take on a given week when there's so many guys that, um, so many you know great players at the top of the odds board and the you just have to cut some of them out. So this one is entirely number and price dependent. All right, so this next range is the interesting range. I think that you're kind of alluding to. Um, there's two guys in this range that you have sworn off at times, and then there's one guy in here that I think makes our card anytime we get to a hard golf course. Um, so those three guys are Colin Morikawa, Will Zalatoris, and Justin Thomas at 14-14 and 16-1 to 1 respectively. This is the range that I'm most intrigued to to hear. Are you pointing at me? Do you want me to go down one more? I want to hear I want to hear Roy's take first. Oh, okay. okay. I don't want to take up all the air time. So yeah, let's hear Roy. So on Colin, Will, and Justin. And also, by the way, I like the fact that we have Roy on to talk some head-to-heads because it's not something we ever really get into. So it's nice to hear – We've got some like prop, some pro- prop guy in here for golf because that's not something yeah. we normally do. Well, Justine probably pisses me <laughs> off more than any freaking person there. I, I don't even bet him anymore. Like, he's so hard to predict. Not knocking him, he's a hell of a player. But yeah. Jesus, I mean, you might as well just wait on him to see how that slow start's going. And then, and then you're going to get a better number on him and then take him. I don't mind having Justin in the 20s. Justin at freaking 14 on a place like this, he could go out there and win it. He definitely is good enough to. Do I think he is? No. But I, I could very may well be wrong. Yeah. Uh, I just don't like the way he's playing right now. Like as, he, He's like a – he does get in these – swings where he's hitting the ball good but maybe his putting's off right now i just don't feel like i mean it's not any i don't know you're right he's putting i think he is putting better this year now if he can just start striking the ball a little bit a little bit better and hitting it close I yeah. feel like I feel like he's got. Didn't he go back to like his high school putter or some shit? He did, now yeah. he's been putting good as shit. I mean, well, he he missed like every eight foot putt that he fucking had at the at the Century Tournament Champion. Trust me, I was I, I had a front row seat at twelve to one for all those missed eight putts for Birdie. Yeah. Um, to Rory's point though, I, and I'm going to cut you off for just a second. You can go to Will and you can go to Zalatoris more cow after this, but JT does play the harder course in round one. He plays the south course in round one. So if you are on that bandwagon that you know, wait for the JT slow start. And then as maybe he gets on Friday, he feels a little bit better. 
less pressure on him. He plays the easier of the two courses. That's a course that he, I think he shot 63 on last year on the, uh, on the North course at Torrey. So a little bit of a, yeah, a little, maybe a bit of strategy, a game within the game to be played. with. Well, I also players. heard it was going to be windy Wednesday. Uh, yeah. Friday is going to be brutal. Or yeah. Uh, Thursday is going to be brutal Thursday afternoon. Yeah. So you got to pay attention to that. I can imagine the South course is going to play a little bit harder because of that wind. And let's, that's the biggest thing. I seen where House posted this, and that that's what kind of brought this to my attention. And yeah, I I got when, you said, when you said Justine, I knew exactly you were talking. <laughs> you were uh, but he brought up the, with the wind. <clears throat> should we be looking towards people going off the north course first versus yeah. versus the south? And I mean, I guess it's one of those things where maybe if it you get over here and let's say X or or whoever, somebody yep. that's really good is going off of that, they might go low. And if you're going to take them, you might as well take them. If they're starting on, on the north course, you should go ahead and take them. Whereas you brought up a good point. Maybe on the if they're starting off on the south course, you might possibly be able to get, get a little bit better odds, depending on how the book's anticipation of them playing on the south cor- north course the next day. Is yeah. going to be that's got to be hard on the bookmakers to kind of cap this first two rounds, especially mm-hmm. live and and shifting the odds and things. Yeah, but uh, Will, I love, I yeah. love Will. I mean, he got it around here last year, just had a kind of a dud putting final round and lost oh, in the playoff to a guy that can't fucking putt, but managed to. <laughs> Managed to punch. He managed right? to hit it. He managed to hit it to fucking five inches where you didn't have to make it. <laughs> yeah. God, I'll, I'll remember that eight footer up the hill from Will's Outdoors from regulation for the rest of my life. I mean, you could not have you could not have found an easier putt on that on that green, and I I could not believe he missed that eight footer uh, to to win it regulation because I mean he he hit his wedge shot perfectly right underneath the hole, slight little right to lefter. You could hit it with speed and uh, miss low, so. Yeah, me and Chris had Will Zaltoris last year at this golf tournament. So, yeah. I mean, he he excels in long iron yeah. second shot events. I mean, he he's really good with a long iron better than most. I mean, he's he's really good. And if he can get that putter, you know, if he gets to making some putts, the dude hits it so damn close <laughs> sometimes. Like, he can yeah. get it rolling, get it hot, and – I feel like with him, his biggest thing is I think he does all right mid-range. It's like when he just gets over those three fighters, you're you're just like, oh god, oh god. Especially on this surface, yeah. Little little yeah. slider on Poana. That's just like a twenty percent proposition right there for for old Willie Z. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, man, like he just eats these goddamn places alive. Um, but I'll, I'll get to it in a little bit. What do you what do you think about Colin? I want to take him here. Yeah, but well, I have. I have him, no. Yeah, well, choose your words carefully, Roy. <laughs> I'm, well, I listened to you last <laughs> week talk about him, and I feel the same way. I'm not taking him in the teens. Yeah, right now, like ain't happening. Not saying. Not saying he couldn't go out here and win, but as I was talking about earlier, if you add a few more guys into this field that aren't here this week, now you're talking about getting him in the twenties. Yeah. I mean, 
I could see taking a shot on him then. Now, uh, I'd rather have Will than have Colin at 18. I agree. I agree. So, do we have anybody? It was this the next that was three. three. Just right three. here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Colin to me is another person that really pisses me off. <clears throat> I never get him right. I never <laughs> get this mug right. Never. Like, I don't, take him, I don't take him in matchups because he always – just straight up shits the bed when I do. I don't take him on outrights. He shit. I've never had this son of a bitch when he won a damn tournament. I'm pretty sure I've never had him when he won a. Oh, it's random. Know. It's rando shit. You know, you know the trick is, Roy. You know what the trick is? You just bet him every fucking week. <laughs> like I do. <laughs> well, that's what, can't lose. That's, that's that's what I used well, to do with Mike. every week. That's what I used to do with Mullet. Now Cam Young's then kind of stepped in there. Hey, I'm hoping I'm hoping he's going to start reeling them off and cashing. Liv, Liv starts what two weeks? I think live the live schedule just got released a couple days ago. I don't know what's on it, but I think it starts in February. So you can you can you can bet your four to one Cam Young tickets or Cam Cam Smith tickets. That's yeah, okay. uh, watch watch on CW. <laughs> how many how many live events has Cam Smith won? Do you even know so I think, far? I think one. I think one at least. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was just curious if he was over there just straight kicking <laughs> the shit can, out of him. He could mail it in and still win one of those damn things, but he's he's a tier above everyone else except for maybe DJ in that damn in that damn league. Has DJ won? DJ's won one oh, over DJ's, there, right? DJ's or, fucking live up, dude. DJ is like the goat of live. Oh, yeah. interesting. I haven't kept up with it, so I know DJ, absolutely nothing about it. DJ twenty five to one the Masters. I'm I'm interested. I'll say that much. It just piqued my interest. I have thought about it, but that's, uh, I like that's that. another time discussion for another time in about two and a half months here. All right, let's 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 kind of give a little bit of a rundown on these three for me. Uh, I think Roy's absolute right on Colin. Um, he's he's shockingly opened at fourteen to one on our main book, which I thought was an obscene price. Uh, but since then, he's seen a little bit of drift into like the sixteen or eighteen to one range. I wouldn't be surprised to see him at twenty to one by the time this tournament starts. I'm seeing. Absolutely no buzz on Colin for, I think, good reason. Um, now, he has had some success early in his career here at Torrey Pines. He finished T21 on debut at the 2020 Farmers, uh, notably finished T4 at the uh, 2020, 2021 US Open. Had a chance to win that tournament, actually, um, in a double bogey on the par 5 14th, which would have kind of derailed his chances, but was right there until the end um, on the back nine there at Torrey Pines for the US Open for potentially his third major championship at that time. Um he does rate out as my number one uh, player in weight up, weighted proximity, basically from 150 uh, all the way up to 200 plus, which is no surprise. He pretty continually just crushes all proximity metrics. Um, but I just don't see him being well-rounded enough to hold off the other names around him on the odds board. He's outside the top 100 in this field in driving distance and carry distance, um, 116th and around the green play among the worst in the field, putting inside 10 feet on West Coast Poana. Um, and then you throw in obviously the – the mental hurdles he's going to have to overcome if he is a contention uh, on the weekend. Um, he's probably the easiest cross off. I think anyone's going to have it 14, 16, 18, no one, whatever it is. I think he would have to get into the mid to high twenties for me to really even uh, consider him uh, as an outright. Okay. In terms of the other two names, both super interesting for me, honestly. And I, I kind of hate myself for it. JT 16 to one. We backed JT his last two PGA tour starts century and the CJ cup. He's been fucking frustrating as hell in each, just like Rory said. Uh, typical JT shit, hits at eight feet and missed the birdie putt. Um, but the more I kind of look through the numbers and go through my research, the more I 
kind of want to give it another chance here. We all know he is an elite driver of the golf ball in terms of driving distance inside the top 20 and carry distance in this field. He's a phenomenal long iron player. He has an elite short game. We know about all that. Like he is a T to green maven, probably when he's on the best or second, the best overall T to green player in the world. However, he's also repeatedly performed well on the greens here at Torrey Pines and four appearances here since 2014. JT has gained an average of three shots per event on the greens here and is a top 20 lifetime putter in this field on West Coast Poana. Uh, keep in mind that JT actually entered the final round of last year's event, just two back of the lead. Now, he shot a final round 74 that knocked him back into a tie for 20th, but he was in that tournament. I think he actually held the 36-hole co-lead at this event. So it's not like he's never experienced success here. He's never finished better than 10th, but in two of the four starts, he's entered the final round within three shots of the lead. Weirdly, the only thing I'm kind of hesitant about is a short-term iron play. Um, he's lost on approach to Rory's point in his last three is in three of his last four starts. Uh, but I'm kind of willing to back the long-term proximity numbers and the stellar record he's got here at Torrey Pines. It's compelling at 16 to one. I'm not ready to make the move yet. There's still plenty of names. I mean, Collins a name that I'm not really looking at, but as we get further down the board, there's a lot more compelling options. He's not quite across up for me yet. Um, and I think 16 to one, if I had to choose between like a 16 on JT versus like an 11 or 12 on Xander Finau, I just can't see the latter two having a 30% bit better chance of, of winning this tournament than JT does. So based on the fact that I think of all the kind of elite players in this field, he's the lowest priced. Um, I do have a bit of interest there in JT at 16 to one. Let's talk about Will though for a second. Hey, he's yeah, going, go I want, he's going off with Finale and Rom on the South course. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, he goes up on South. So, Maybe it's not a move I make pre-tournament. Maybe it's a move you you wait and see. Because JT, if he does have an Achilles heel, it's his tendency to when things go like the thing with JT is, and the problem I kind of thing I mainly have about him is when things go good, like they're amazing, but his bad isn't as good as like a Rom's bad or a Rory's bad or like a Xander or Cantley's bad. Like things can go sideways for JT in a hurry and he can lose ground like very, very fast. Um which is something that, I mean, him and Tiger um, have talked about, and Tiger has said publicly about JT, that when he figures out how to manufacture and even pull around when things aren't going well, that's when JT is going to be going to finally reach his potential because, I mean, he's got the capability to go low um, anywhere in the world. So I think it kind of helps him going with those guys. Good God, can you imagine that group on the north course fucking Thursday? I was just saying, dude, that, that's an insane group. Yeah. We'll probably see every shot. I mean, if that if that group's not in PGA or live, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. So, um, so I'm yeah. gonna call them, have a talk with them if they're not. I would, I would fucking hope so. There's not that many good names left as we're an hour and six minutes in, and we've covered five names, but there's not that many really to cover uh, outside of this. Uh, but yeah, Will Zalatoris, I I partially agree with Rory here because you can kind of go one of two ways with Will. I think number one. Obviously, the the elephant in the room, he's made two starts since his four-month layoff with a back injury. He hasn't exactly proven enough with the ball striking quite yet. You know, he's been decent this century, finished T11 there, lost strokes and approach, gained strokes and approach to Amex, but finished T32. Again, that's not a golf course that I think correlates at all with Torrey Pine, so I'm not really worried about the finishing position. But the ball striking splits haven't exactly obviously been peak Will Zaltoris. On the other hand, 
this is the exact type of golf course that Will has made a living on in his first two years on tour. You talk about a guy that came straight off the Corn Ferry Tour to finish T6 the 2020 U.S. Open when nobody had a clue who he was. He followed that up on debut the, the following fall or the following spring with a T7 on debut here at the Farmers uh, Championship or the Farmers Insurance Open, I'm sorry. Um, and then obviously the year after that, uh, a solo second, uh, obviously a playoff loss to Luke List. So a T7 and a solo second and two starts here at the Farmers He's obviously proven to be as reliable a performer as we have in the game on these long, difficult, major championship caliber golf courses. And the long-term metrics are like on his side, obviously. He's the best, he's the best long-term iron player in this field. Tee to green rates out sixth. Inside the top 15 of his driving distance and strokes getting off the tee, and actually inside the top 45 in terms of like around the green play. So from tee to green, I don't think he has a ton of questions really to answer. Um, obviously, the the long-term wart that you point to and that Rory pointed to as the putter. Um, but this is a place where I don't put it as much emphasis on putting. I think you can still kind of, as long as you're not losing three or four shots on the greens, you can still kind of float around and contend here just because the winning score is not going to be as inflated as we've seen in the past, um, the past few events that is. So, I mean, if it wasn't for the four and a half month hiatus he took for his back, I mean, this would be everybody's first click at Torrey Pines at 81. It's like the most obvious thing ever. Um, so he's certainly not a crosser for me. There's just some kind of, again, there's more hurdles than you would like at a price like this. So again, <clears throat> not, a, not quite a complete no for me. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't really know which way I'm leaning. I'm very neutral because I can see both sides pretty equally here on Zalatoris. So, um, I would say of all the markets though, to back will, like, I think outright is actually one of the more compelling ones just because I think if he plays to his ceiling, like it's very clear he can contend here, but he's also a guy that I think I really wouldn't want to rely on to finish top 20 uh, because if the ball striking really isn't all there quite yet, if he quite hasn't quite gotten the sea legs on tour yet uh, with his, with his ball striking, talked about making swing changes at, at Kapalua to kind of compensate for some of the back problems he's had. If that, turns him into a subpar ball striker on a golf course like this, then obviously I think he's not going to have the records and tools around the green and on the greens to, to save his score. So it's a lot of variance, I think, between Will's outcomes, but you could definitely make the case at 18 or 20 to one that he's, he's worth you know a shot at the pure upside. So um, power acting these guys, I think Zalatoris and JT are obviously clearly above Colin. I haven't made a clear move on either one. Um, and a lot of that will depend on kind of what I decide in the next kind of three or four names. Well, with having that back injury, you know, it takes away from practice time. Then, then you have to get back into a rhythm. And, yeah, he didn't. And he was in a great rhythm, you know, where he was playing all the time. I mean, dude was was getting better and better and better. And once the putt started falling, finally for him, I mean, he got the win. I missed it. I was pissed. Like. I was really mad. It it got to a point where I gave up on his ass, and then look at it. <laughs> that's all. That's all you that's got. That's how good that's, that's that's like that week when I don't have Cam Young and the lucky person people that that yep. do, and I'm just like, nah, I ain't winning. I got, I'm tired, of, but I probably won't ever give up on my. That mug hits it a fucking mile. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. I mean, doppelganger man. Little, yeah, he, the most the the player on tour that looks the most like Rory picks. That's Cam Young right Just Cam bomb Smith. it. Just yeah. reach back and just swing out of your shoes and bomb it. And 
then let's just go go play. Hopefully, I'm close enough to the green where I can put wedge in my hand. I tell and, you what, yeah, I tell you what, we're. Go- I mean, we are all going to Sawgrass. You're going to Sawgrass with us, right, Rory? I don't think we're going now. With me, you and with me, Chris and Mark, you're not coming with us to Sawgrass. I'm pretty sure Mark has something. That, we'll we'll talk about. I <laughs> think he has something that came that came up or something. Oh shit! I don't know. All right. Well, yeah. that's news to me. If if that yeah, this is, is news okay. to us. <laughs> it's all good though. But the hype of the breaking breaking news. <laughs> As you hear me and Chris's heart break live on air. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we if we do end up going to Sawgrass, like bets notwithstanding, I want to follow Cam Young for like nine to twelve holes, just to like just uh, and strike the goddamn golf ball. Just, l- let me just watch him hit driver like five times, and I'm I can die a pretty happy man. Dude, t- Taser was that. Uh, shit. What's the one? Uh, the Har- Harbor Town. Yeah. Oh yeah. When he went like nuclear on round one, shot, like, he was four. there. He was there on vacation while that was there. So he he sent me a video and he was just like, "Look at this." <laughs> and I mean, it, it it's amazing, dudes. Yeah. Dudes a stud. I mean, he he keeps getting better and better too. He's yeah. he's gonna be around, you know, for quite sometime i mean we, we gotta we gotta work on that putting dog we gotta get that putter rolling on on easier stuff where you where you putt so good <laughs> on harder shit like yeah you gotta you'll, get that rolling you'll be surprised how long that sometimes takes as someone who likes to bet a lot of fucking losers that can't make a four-foot putt to save their life but uh but yeah man uh just get just give me a cam young tom kim and the final group of the players one time and i'll man i'll, I'll follow that group for 108 holes, let alone 18. Yes, yeah. that would be beautiful. Be you, you'd, be, you'd have one of them hitting from 200 yards back <laughs> and one of them hitting from, <laughs> from 100. You know what? You know what? Tom Kim will probably still hit him inside of him. I wish Kim was playing this week. I don't. I'm glad he took a break. <laughs> yeah, he well, did. He, yeah. he does need a break, but yeah. I think he could really excel at this place. I would. I think, I I think would, Ian's going to disagree. <laughs> I would say Pebble Beach. I hope he plays Pebble Beach next week. I will if he. If he's he going to tear it up. But yeah. I've been pretty impressive with how he's kind of backed up long courses and actually played fairly damn decent on them. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's not played one sign of weakness yet. Like he, he's really hasn't. There's not I been mean, one chink in the armor yet. I mean, he was due for the damn Sony Open. You know, just. The putting and the, I mean just yeah. whatever like that everybody has those days. He was due for one, and it, it really impressed me at how well. Even though it was the Amex, you know, whatever, it really impressed me that he came back and finished what top ten T5. at least T five. I'm pretty sure, like yeah. right around there. So I, I, that really impresses me. Kids like yeah. handled the pressure like they were already calling him <laughs> like before he even won. <laughs> you yeah, know, they were already talking well, about him. You, you can tell he's been playing professional golf since he was like 16, which he has. Like he was dominant in the Asian Tour at like 17, 18 years old, one of like the top five tours on on the planet. And he was like making those guys look like you know basically amateurs, just racking up T fives and 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 paychecks. So. I think uh, it's really impressive for somebody his age to come over and just, I mean, boom, boom, boom. I mean, up there winning and 
I don't give a shit what tournament you win on the PGA Tour. Yeah. You you still got to be good and got to have nerves. Like you got to be able to control your nerves to to win. I mean, mm-hmm. and he just he he has it. I think I I don't I don't think the pressure really bothers him one single he bit. Down, he stared down Patrick Cantley the day after Patrick Cantley shot what eleven under sixty one at the Shriners. I mean, Cantley was as hot as anybody on the planet. He loves that golf course almost as much as any other golf. He's he's got the best track record of anyone on tour at TBC Summerlin, and Tom Kim just casually stares him down and and takes him out uh, in eighteen holes there. So, yeah, I mean, this is a pro Tom Kim podcast. Uh, I'm sure we've got plenty of air time in the in the coming months to uh to wax poetic about that kid. But we like them Asians. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, with that being said, I'm gonna move on to the next range it's here. Right, yeah, we're, gonna, yeah we're gonna we're gonna skip past that one. Um, <laughs> we're gonna move on to the 20s here, as we're I think we're starting to near the near the end of the range of Ian's shortlist, probably. Uh, but uh, the guy we got three guys here in the 20 that I want to talk about: Max Homa, Sun JM, Jason Day, 20, 20, and 22 to one, respectively. Jason Day actually is one of the guys I did want to bring up because um, he had a pretty good week last week as well. Yeah. Um, He's, he's he looks like he's striking the ball well. Looks like he's feeling well. He's won this event twice, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when you're looking at T degree numbers, this is a guy that over the last 36 rounds has some good stats. So it's an Ian favorite. It's a it's a T degree guy, a guy that's he's a little bit of a coarse horse. So Ian, he's got to at least be it's a, as a big number. But yeah, uh, or, but well, what are we thinking? I'm gonna I'm gonna go and nip this in the bud. I'm, he's not on my short list. Um, okay, all right. I know Jason Day had a had a top finish here last year. He was in the final group, hold out on the I think the 13th to the 14th hold to take the lead by one over Will. I thought we were watching the fairy tale in 2021, just three years after he won at Torrey Pines in 2018, and then he makes I think two or three bogeys down the stretch, and and obviously isn't unable to make it into the playoff um, last week or last year against Will and and Luke List. I think when you talk about obviously the you've got to kind of split Jason Day's career into obviously peak day and the day we're dealing with now. Um, who's obviously he's got plenty of time left. He's only 33 or 34. It's not like he's an old man about to retire. I didn't know that actually. I thought he was older. No, yeah, yeah. He's, he came onto the scene pretty young, just like, uh, you know, some of these young kids that we have now. I mean, he was, um, yeah, it was not too long ago. Jason Day was, I mean, the top in golf. Yeah. So again, peak Jason Day, like Tory Pines is the, ultimate course fit for for peak jason day a guy that hits the ball an absolute country mile of the tee can hit a long iron i mean he hits his five iron the same trajectory as most people hit their eight irons i mean he hits it high dead straight soft landing jason day in 2016 2017 2018 built for this golf course with a phenomenal short game phenomenal pull and a putter when you talk about this current iteration of jason day he still i think i still trust the short game i still trust the putter the driver does seem like an improvement which is good the problem for me is the long iron play is among the worst in this entire field. It's outside the top 100, both from 175 to 200 and 200 plus. Jason Day, a pretty prolific wedge player, and I think that's where we've kind of seen a lot of the progression come and a lot of the top results come at these shorter, um, more wedge-intensive kind of birdie parties uh, that we've seen over the swing season and then here into the early part of 2023. I think Torrey Pines, especially like a 28-1 to price tag, is just a bit too big of a ballpark. It's a little bit too much to ask. For this current iteration i'm personally pulling for it i mean if if i could pick a like i'm not betting jason day so if i could pick a guy 
that I'm not betting to win. Like I would love to see Jason Day win, but uh, yeah, not even a remote uh, thought in my mind betting him at 28 to one. Um, so I, I, I don't know how popular he really is on Twitter. I think most people can kind of kind of see it's a bit of a fluke. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe like 50, 60 to one, you can maybe sell me on. He can kind of, you know, just plot it around and, and hope the short game is enough to, to carry him into a top finish like it was last year. But um, yeah, I think there's just too many long irons and too many, you know, big boy golf holes for him to really keep up with the big horses at the top of this board. I am, however, quite interested in the other two names that you mentioned. Uh, so, obviously, Sung Jay and Max Homa, both two names on my short list. Sung Jay, 20 to 1. He's going a little bit under the radar this week. I really haven't heard a lot of chatter about Sung Jay M. Um, and I kind of understand it given the price tag. You know, he's 20 to 1 right there with a guy like Justin Thomas, a guy like Will Zalatoris, some big names that have are proven commodities on these big boy golf courses. But Sung Jay, here at Torrey Pines, He's actually played here every year since he's come on a tour in 2018. Uh, has five starts here, including the 2021 U.S. Open. He's never missed a cut, and he's actually gotten progressively better in each successive appearance. Uh, 52nd on debut to 36th, 35th, 32nd, and finally a sixth-place finish here last year. Sung Jae is one of the most reliable drivers of the golf ball we have in the field. Uh, maybe not the prolific distance that a guy like a, a Xander, Finau, Rom, JT has, um, but second in total driving to John Rom over the last 50 rounds in this field and rates inside the top 30 in both around the green play and West Coast plan of putting. Um, now, the nitpick I always have with Sungjae is the fact that the iron play is typically pretty inconsistent. We talked about that a little bit last week with my reasoning for him taking Tom Kim over Sungjae. Uh, however, Sungjae, rates in, Sungjae actually rates second in this field uh, to only Xander Shoffley. Only Xander Shoffley is better than Sungjae M over the last year uh, when it comes to proximity from the hole uh, from over 200 yards. And when you look at kind of the catalog of Sungjae's career, some of his best approach weeks have actually come on similar long, difficult golf courses. He gained 6.6 strokes on approach at Bay Hill in 2020, 6.2 at PG National at the Honda Classic, 5.7 at Wingfoot in the 2020 U.S. Open, and 5.2 at Congaree, I believe that was in 2020, uh, at the Palmetto Championship. So I'll admit 21 does seem maybe a little bit short, um, at least shorter than what we're used to seeing Sungjae match in these type of fields, but – Every metric I kind of look at for this guy points me more and more in his direction. So he's far from a crosser for me. I think if this number can drift just a little bit farther into the 22, hopefully 25 range, I would be in on, on M. Uh, he's a guy that I've identified as being uh, a really solid play this week. And then Max Homa, um, as we kind of transition from one of the more, one of the least talked about players in the field in Sungjae to probably one of the most popular, if you've been on Twitter this morning, um, Max Homa, Seems to be on kind of everyone's card. For the record, I completely get it. He's, what, the second best-priced elite, quote-unquote, uh, golfer in this field. We'll get to the to the last one here in a second. But it's just really kind of hard to find a lot of holes in Max's game right now. In fact, there's not a single metric I'm weighing this week where Max doesn't fall inside the top 40 in this field. He's 35th in driving distance, 25th in strokes off the tee, uh, 6th in long iron proximity, something that's been a real area of improvement for him. Uh, 19th in the round of green play, 8th in bogey avoidance, and 19th um, in Poana putting for the West Coast kid out of L.A. Um, now, he doesn't have the same consistency around Torrey Pines as Sungjae. Uh, he's missed four cuts and six career starts here. Uh, but as the game has developed over the last kind of two to three years, so have his results here at Torrey. Uh, his last three starts, he's finished 9th and 18th to go along with the missed cut. So he's, he's shown a little bit of that ceiling to finish inside the top 10 and top 20. Um, 
And obviously, we know with Winston Riviera, Winston Quail Hollow, he's a proven he's a proven winner at these type of big boy major championship type venues. So I've I've said this for quite a while. I think another big win is on the on the marquee uh, for Max Homa, and I think Torrey Pines feels like a really damn good venue for for a guy SoCal native from LA. Uh, the two and a half hour trip down to La Jolla in San Diego. Uh, this could be this could be the place for Homa. So. 25 to 1 for, for Max, 20 to 1 for Sung Jay. Uh, we'll get into a couple of other guys that I have some level of interest in, but I think my main decision points on my betting card this week are, are going to come between JT at 16, Salatoris at 18, Sung Jay at 20, Max at 25. That's kind of uh, where I'm really looking at and really kind of trying to narrow down the uh, the list down to obviously what my finalized card will be. So, Roy, what do you think about those three names? Sung Jay, Homa, Day. I know I went through a whole fucking five minutes spiel but um, well after we got to talking about day i have my phone pulled up right now on odds and i'm sitting there and i'm like thinking what you're saying like I, after the fact that you know i'm like what the fuck is jack jason day at this price jesus like no hell no <laughs> no like he might go out there and win the son bitch but I mean, I really got to – once I seen him at that number, I got to look and I'm like, this is a weak-ass field. Yep. Like, real to be what it normally is, this is a weak-ass field this year here, in my it's opinion. Top, yeah. I mean – It's top-heavy. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's real top-heavy. And for them to have Jason Day at freaking 22-1 to 1 is kind of – I don't even I, – I mean, we got Ducky at 35. Who are you going to take? If you had if you had a gun to your head and was going to take one or the other. You're spoiling my short list, Rory. But, yeah, Hideki at 45 to 1 is, is absolutely on my short list. Um, yes. Okay. So, <laughs> um, I mean, give me a break. Taylor Montgomery at 28. Preach and, it, Roy. Preach it. Uh, uh, it <laughs> no. Anyway, I do like him. Yeah, Sanjay. Yeah, I, I, he, he is sneaky, and that's why I haven't pulled the trigger on anybody yet. Normally, I've taken some people, but I don't think you're going to see a big shift. No. You know, right here in a day or so of what's going on. I mean, it's been a little movement, but not not a whole hell of a lot. And I, he's playing really freaking good. Like, kind of kind of blindly like nobody's yeah. re- like you said nobody's talking about him and that's when he wins mm-hmm. he never wins when all of golf twitter is on him when they're like oh it's sung jay week yeah he doesn't win it so he doesn't win it like when he's 14 to 1 he wins when he's like back in the in the pack you know when he's kind of hidden a little bit uh yeah. like Shriners and at the, at the honda classic but like whenever you get him like we'll we'll be in florida here in a couple weeks and he'll be like 15 to 1 and the and the consensus favorite to win the event and he'll miss the cut He's just inconsistent like that. But when you can get decent value on him in the field like this, I think uh, he could certainly be be dangerous because he's just he just does everything so damn well. Like he really doesn't have a big time weakness. And like I said, the one big thing is the iron play, and he's one of the best long iron players we have on on planet Earth. That's right what now. I was getting ready to say. I mean, yeah. long iron wise, that that dude stripe he stripes it like they're they're in there, and when when he's putting good. That's yeah. when he he can get very very dangerous because it seems like he 
how is his putting out like longer longer distance? He seems like he's a really good a good putter from out out longer when he's rolling it. It seems yeah. like when he's shooting low scores. So yeah. I I definitely think he's somebody to keep in mind. And Homa too. I mean, yeah. Homa's one of those damn people that I never get right. Never. I mean, hardly ever do I get him right. Like, do not take him as a favorite in matchups. Take him as a dog. Do not take him as a damn favorite. Like, he will piss you off and disappoint you. Do not pay juice on this man. Like, (laughs) I mean, I don't know. He just seems like that to me. Like, he's just so freaking streaky. But he's getting better, though. He's getting better. You know, yeah. like, it, there's been real progression over the last maybe six to eight months. I, I agree with you. Maybe a year or two ago, right. was like, he yeah. is getting be- like yeah. he is getting better. So I mean, maybe his somebody will start seeing more often, like consistently at yeah. the top every every week. So I, I I don't mind that play at all. I mean, I think I think it it fits him. This course fits. Fits his kind of persona, I think, on the places where you see him pop up and win at. You know, yeah. It, it's uh, I was gonna add something to him that I was just damn looking at. T to green, he's he's seventh this year. If you go off the 2022-23 season, how many That's ever damn big. events? Is the thing is like if you look at stats like me and Rory do, and everyone obviously listens to this, like. If you're if you're this far in the weeds to be listening to me breaking down courses, like you're you're pretty deep, knee deep into golf, um, but that's what I'm saying is like home is just one of those guys that I think he doesn't have quite have the name cachet yet to draw like the 18 to one price tag, 16 to one price tag at an event like this. But you look at the numbers, man, and it's just he's improving so fast, and I think he's a good guy just to just to kind of buy on a macro level and just be like i'm just gonna back this dude for the next six months because i think i'm gonna make my money back at least um that's a hell of a group that he's opening with too who's he who's he with your boy and and willie z calling him willie z and homa yeah that's a fun one man it's flushers on the north on the north course oh man so so get him now basically so if you're gonna bet homa bet him now yeah because when he shoots the 64 on Thursday, on a sorry, I'm so used to saying Thursday on Wednesday, um, yeah, that that 25 to one's gonna look real tempting. But yeah, I I, I just I am a believer in Homa. I become a believer. I wasn't always a believer in Homa, but I've I've really become a, a big fan of his. And I think he's gonna he's gonna get one of these big scalps. I think you know he's he's like I said he's won at Quail Hollow, won at Riviera, California guy. I think this is a really damn good spot for, for him to, to really, cause he, he needs a win, right? Like he won a Potomac and he's won the Fortinet. Like he's won some smaller events over the last couple of years, but he doesn't really have that win to catapult him into the conversation of being like a t- consensus top 10 or 15 player in the world. If he can win at a place like Torrey Pines or some of these events coming up um, all of a sudden, like he's going to be a superstar, I think in, in this game. So um, that's, that's what my stats are telling me. That's what I've, I've seen with my own eyes. So that's, that's kind of a, direction i'm going on on homa for sure but let's talk about maybe some some because i think we're, we're kind of past the 25 to 30 to 1 range so is there anybody down the board rory that i know you don't like betting long shots too much but it, even from a matchup standpoint or from um 
you know, like a fitness business standpoint or someone that you're bullish on for farther down the board, or are you just going pure chalk here at, at Torrey Pines? I haven't, I don't know. I haven't really decided. I mean, like I, I was already making fun of some of these. I mean, we got, we got Mav McNeely at 35. Yeah, don't do it. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Yeah, that's what I mean. falling off. That's how I, you know I'm, falling off. I'm kind of like you on, I mean, I would definitely take Decky or freaking Siwoo Kim right here at freaking 35 and 40 to 1. I mean, I'm just looking at DK. I don't know what other, I know you said 45 on Bobada. Is that what He's you were saying? He's on, on a local book of mine. That you oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Very but, interesting. You find 40s pretty regularly. I think he's – Hideki's actually starting to see some drift for I, – I could probably tell you, actually. So, Hideki, 40 to 1. I think he's 35 to 40 to 1 on most books. Uh, that okay. You're find. And the thing with Hideki, right, because we talked a lot about Max's recent progressions and, like, the improvements that he's made over the last six to eight months – Hideki's basically outright case revolves entirely around his long-term track record. So over the last like three years, I mean, if you talk about a long, difficult major championship style of venue, like Hideki is almost as consistent as they come. You know, he's got a world-class short game, actually ranks inside the top 10 and around the green plane bogey avoidance. And in this field, um, he's got some phenomenal long iron player when he's on um, and a big ballpark like Troy Pines is, Again, kind of his jam, you know, a golf course that you don't have to get to 25 under. You can kind of um, – you can afford to maybe miss a few four-footers as long as the tee to green play is up to snuff. Um, and so, again, just like Sungjae, he's been an ultra-consistent performer. Torrey Pines in his career, he's missed two cuts in 10 starts. He's logged five top 30s. Um, I think the reason he's kind of down here in the 35, 40, 45 to 1 range is that the form feels a bit – it feels as fleeting maybe as it's ever felt for Hideki just because of the injuries he's dealt with. And I don't know, for whatever reason, he's just maybe fallen off a little bit um, compared to maybe some of the young kids that are coming up in the game. So the time may be passing them by, but I'm not at all ready to give, give up on Hideki Matsuyama. I mean, at 45 to one in a field that like this, that we said, there's legitimately what 10 or 12 names that you point to and being like legit threats to win this event. That wouldn't be a complete shock. Um, yeah, it's it gets pretty hard to ignore that kind of upside at a number like this. So, uh, yeah, 40, 45 to one, anything touching those type of numbers, I think, is a super um, compelling bet on a guy with his kind of resume and track record. So he's reason- a streaky, he's a streaky player too. Like yeah. if he's if he's playing good, he's gonna he's yeah. he's gonna be right up there. I mean, if he if he isn't, then so be it. But yeah, I mean. That's why- that's why you want to bet him outright because, like, yeah. Mr. Equity with Hideki is as high as anyone in the top for sure. Like, he's if, – if you told me one of these guys is going to finish – is going to miss the cut by four shots, it'd probably be Hideki. But if he does find the kind of form that we saw, you know, what, just 12 to 15 months ago, uh, and even more than that, I mean, he, he popped at the U.S. Open. He popped at a couple of tournaments in the middle of 2022, so – it's not like the form is never like it's not like he's been dead for twelve months like Webb Simpson has like he's shown form along the way. It's just that week in week out he doesn't show the type of consistency that we see from your typical elite name um, that you're gonna have to bet at twenty or twenty five to one. So I think Hideki very much like Zaltoris is a name that I would circle in the outright market before I would really be 
touting him too too heavily in like the matchup or the or the prop market. So, um, yeah, that covers I guess all the elite names, right? Um, Chris, I know yeah. Chris has some long shots to bring up that uh, we're prepared to to answer some questions on. But um, just to kind of wrap it up, I know I don't have a bet. Rory, do you have a bet? Not right bet at all. <laughs> he does not. I don't have, I don't have anything yet. I'm yeah. I'm gonna end up with something here probably by tomorrow. It's yeah, just, it's Monday morning um, or it's Monday evening, so it's kind of tough. You know, we, we're we not used to being this press of time in the golf outline market, so I think everyone's a little bit behind schedule. But for me yeah, personally – I mean, if you – it's one of those things where especially like on DK, FanDuel, or anywhere, I don't really use FanDuel a whole hell of a lot. I do sometimes, but they got kind of a boring-ass book in my opinion. I don't know. It's something about it. I play the books that I win money on. Like, I don't know. I play my lucky books. <laughs> Whichever one's winning, I, I ride it for a little while. I mean, that's that's how you got to do it sometimes. It's, Not that, it's just, yeah. You don't want to break that mojo. You don't want to break that mojo. You get on a heater, you don't change books. You get on a heater, and it's on that book you keep – so what? So let me ask you a question then, Roy. So how how different do the prices have to be on a book to where you'd be like, nah, fuck this. I'm I'm breaking the I'm breaking the uh, the momentum here and going to DraftKings or whatever. Oh, I'll definitely like if it's a better number, then I'm definitely gonna gonna take it oh, over there. Okay. But I'm just saying, like the majority of all these been equal, my, yeah, of my bets. So like once I start start going it just seems like all right well i didn't i know i like it over here <laughs> and of course you know you might have a little bit more money where you can start slapping the big yeah. big bastards down we're we're stacking we're stacking dough for nascar season that's right that's right yeah so we don't get too carried away on you know some things but i will lay now i will lay some down on a golf matchup if, if it's something I really see. Yeah. I just that's I my, love. That's more my thing is I, I tend to be more of a quality over quantity guy. I don't really understand. I mean, look, people make money in all different ways, so it's not like a diss. But for me, I I would rather have like two plays I feel really fucking good about than like 10 plays that I feel, you know, varying levels of okay about. So that's just my yeah. personality. I'd rather lay the fucking hammer on one matchup that I really, really like and just accept if I'm wrong, then I'm just losing the whole shebang. Um, rather than, you know, I you, I understand you have 10 matchups. You probably are a little bit more risk-averse, and you can afford to be wrong a few times more um, because you're not allocating a substantial amount of your bankroll on one play. But I don't know. Like, when I'm when I'm going to bet, like, a minus 110, I just want to fucking lay the hammer on it. So that's Yeah, kinda- I mean, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not scared, and I don't blame you. I'd lay the hammer, too, down on them. But, I mean, I also – I mean, I still put a decent amount of money on these. I mean, I play $100 units. Yeah, we don't um, unit shame here, Rory. You can, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not unit shaming. I'm just explaining, yeah, a- like, I do I do have a decent – man, hell, I had a 4-0 four, four sweep. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, before you, last, I reckon. Yeah. Boy, you, 
Roar, we know you have more money than us. You hit a 50 to one parlay and like 18 uh, first touchdown bets. So you're, you can, you're, you can just keep your damn $10,000 if you wanted to. We know. That's, where, that's just padding it up when you hit those little, those big, big plus money plays. Yeah, that's, you know? that's just, yeah, that's just, that's just another drop in the bucket for Rory's account. Just another 50 to one, <laughs> another day, another 50 to one parlay. <laughs> Don't get excited. <laughs> uh, just another day at work. Yep, just keep know. scrolling, keep scrolling. <laughs> I was pretty fucking psyched about that. I was actually I was playing that, that slot machine that I was up on. And I'm sitting there watching this, and it was coming down to the final matchup. And it was minus three, minus two. Don't even – I don't know who the fuck it was. It, it was it was somebody. Like, I'm, that's how many beers I drank Saturday night. I don't remember a whole hell of a lot of it. I remember bits and pieces about Saturday night. But they – they, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this thing and I've, I literally just stopped playing the slot. I'm just looking at this damn phone and I'm like, all right, come on, let's go. What They were actually um, playing on the scoring course so I could see like how far out they were. In this. Okay, yeah. no, no, they actually weren't. So that made it even more – that made it even more, you know, nerve-wracking. Yeah, so I'm like, all right, hurry up. <laughs> Hurry up. And then once I seen it come through, I was just like, oh, fuck yeah. I was like, now I got, now I don't even have to worry about if I lose, lose a little bit here playing the slots that I don't even normally play and like, but I'm having a good time. So I was crushing beers, dude. Oof. That's they don't have bad, they don't have bad beer pricing. $5 a beer. I mean, shit, I'm, I'm, I've seen a lot damn worse in places like that. I was like, this oh, yeah. is awesome right here. The 16-ounce Michelob Ultra? Shit. You come to I Charlotte just for a $5 beer, they're going to like legit just like spit in your face. Can't even get a bush latte down there. <laughs> Not even close, dude. <laughs> you to go to the Servo down there, the 7-Eleven. Get yourself a tall boy Cobra. I'm, I can't wait to hear who – who uh, Chris's questions are. I'm wondering if one of them might be I think Davis, I know Davis Thompson. Are you going to bring him up since he finished second last no, week? I got you ready. Here's the, here's the five names, and it's going to be a little bit of an Ian special and a little bit of Chris special. There are going to be some some names that you've heard quite often on this podcast, but I, I'm actually quite surprised that Ian oh, – he's writing it down. Hold on. I want to see if he can guess it. But I'm quite surprised that Ian has not mentioned uh, or clicked Kurt Kitayama. Um, did he write it? Did he write it? Yep, yep, yep. Okay. The second name, this is the second part of the Ian special, Alex Smalley, another guy at 80 to 1. And then I'm going to bring up the three guys that I wanted to bring up. Uh, again, they're going to be repeat names. You're going to hear these names for me a lot. But Hayden Buckley, another guy, a lot of T-degree names. Oh, he's got it written down, two for two. Uh, <laughs> he's sitting at 101. Ryan Palmer, 101. This is the time of year where I like Ryan Palmer. Hey, he's got two T2s here in the last five years. And Have then, you seen him play lately? Yeah, it's been bad. <laughs> I know, I know. It's been bad. But I have to bring him up. It's this time of year. I have to. And then last name, Will Gordon. I can't quit this guy. I think Will Gordon yeah. is 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 legit. I, I like this kid. And mm-hmm. he's got he's he's shown some really good T degree numbers over the last thirty six rounds. Clemson, so. Clemson, yeah, Vanderbilt, Bama, Van- Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt. Yeah. You Did know- you see their new? Did you see their new clubhouse that they got? I know they have the best freshman in the country, though, Gordon Sargent. All right, well they got well they got like a eleven million dollar I think facelift up around there for really? just golf. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, that's not surprising. Vanderbilt, dog. Vanderbilt's, Vanderbilt's yeah. uh, some old money over there in Nashville. I was but, like, uh, damn, that's pretty sweet. It, it is. It's it's pretty damn well sweet setup. I looked at a few of the pictures. Damn. So, yeah, not surprising. I mean, Vandy, Vandy's a golf power man. So, uh, I can't wait till Gordon Sargent, who's who's cruising to the solid one ninety four ball speed. Have you seen that? Like, that's he's a, a cool ass name. Yeah, he won the NCAA championships last year as a freshman. Uh, he he like I think he was up by one on the eighteenth hole, like a five hundred yard par four. Just unleashes like a three hundred and forty-five yard drive off the tee and to uh, to basically seal the deal there. So look out for that boy, Gordon. Gordon I, used, I used to keep up with college a whole lot more. Uh, it's hard to a while a while back than I do now. I don't know if it's because I used to keep Direct TV on the Golf Channel a, a lot of times because I would yeah. just be watching shit and whatever, and I played a lot of golf at that time. But uh, I can remember, like, keeping up with the Harris English and Georgia teams and, like, Patrick Reed and um, <laughs> Augusta – was it Augusta State? Augusta, Augusta State, yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, he was on Georgia for a little while. <laughs> Who was that that played with him that was a pretty good player, too, on that team? Um, uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and I can't remember. Damn it. Damn it, it was somebody, and I can't – I mean, it's somebody that's – that's actually was it Patrick or Roger? No, Rogers went to no. I know Augusta, Augusta State won the individual title in like 2011, but he the yeah. guy that won didn't really ever make it on tour. I forgot his right. name. Right, but he was the he was the second best player on that Correct. team. Yeah, with yeah, him he was done in college. He was done college, but he kind of fade faded out, kind of like your. Well, I mean, I ain't going to say Peter Uline faded out, but I remember big hype on him, you know, coming out of college. And he's a European player. But, I mean, he plays a lot of Euro- European tour, right? Yeah, he's American. He's an American. He represents USA, but he, uh, I think he has Scandinavian roots, Swedish or something like that. So, yeah, he does play yeah. on the European tour. Um, but the four names, right? Kitayama, Buckley, Gordon, and – I mean, I, I don't have much to say about Ryan Palmer, buddy, so <laughs> you're, you're welcome to bet him. I'm not sure what his number is, but. Yeah, no, that was more than just, I just, yeah. I feel like I have to, right? So, yes, but mainly Smalley, Kitayama, Buckley, and Will Gordon were the four that I brought up. Yeah, I mean, these are names that I love, and particularly Kitayama and Buckley are names that I've kind of had circled for this place for quite some time. Uh, when you talk about distance off the tee, elite driving, and long iron play, Kitayama, He's sitting at eighty-five to one on the book I'm looking at now. He's eighty to one on Bovada. Yeah, eighty to one um, is kind of what's the best you'll find. Eighty to eighty-five. Um, he's he's on my short list. So Kitayama is the last name on my kind of ten-man short list here. I think of all like the long shots, he's the most compelling. He's got to finish runner-up in a really strong field at the CJ Cup last fall. Haven't really seen a lot of him since, but his game just really, really speaks to Tory Pines. I think with a guy that is top ten in driving distance. Uh, top 10 in long iron approach play. Actually a pretty sneaky around the greens players, top 45 in strokes getting around the greens and boogie avoidance. So Kitayama is a guy that, yeah, if you are going to kind of pick and choose or try to identify the loop list, quote unquote, of this year, I think Kitayama 80 to 1, 85 to 1 is about as close as, as you can come. Uh, Buckley for me, obviously impressed on his last start. Is He's 100 to 1 now at a place that really, really emphasizes emphasizes the driver, which is his main weapon. Um, the problem I kind of have with Buckley is the around the green play is 
pretty bad. He's in the bottom 20 in this field when it comes to getting up and down uh, from greenside. I got you. And um, and the long iron play is kind of just middling. So Buckley's a guy that I think has one of the requisite skill sets, and he's really good at that one skill. I think it's enough maybe to carry him inside the top 30 or 25. Uh, but in terms of winning, I, I would more so lean towards Kitayama than, than a guy like Buckley. Um, and then Smalley is a guy that actually, I think, s- scored the lowest rounds um, of the week last year on the North course here. I think he shot 63 or 62 uh, here on Torrey Pines North. Phenomenal long iron player, very long off the tee. Again, uh, kind of fits the mold of um, these kind of young kids coming straight out of college and just hitting a fucking mile. Uh, for Smalley, though, he's tended to do his best work on shorter golf courses, um, and he doesn't have a ton of experience on the West Coast. Um, Kidiyama's a bit more world-traveled, and I like that, uh, the fact that he's got a bit more experience um, here here on Poana. So I like Smalley. I like Buckley for maybe a placement, but if we're talking like pure outrights and pure upside, I, I, I would lean towards Kidiyama. Um, and then the last name... Will Gordon. Sorry? Oh, Will Gordon. Yeah. yeah. Will Gordon, kind of in the same vein as, um, as Smalley. Like, even though he's a super long hitter and his skill set should suit a place like Torrey Pines quite well, he's, again, he's popped up a lot more so on shorter golf courses. You know, we saw him at Wildlife a couple weeks back. He's um, he's played really well at the Travelers and places like Harbortown and places like that. So, um, for me, yeah, I, I can see the upside. Like, if you are looking for value um, and you're looking for just flashy skills like long iron play, like driving distance, um, I think all four of those names are quite solid. Um, but if I had to pick a favorite, it would be Kirk Kitayama. And I don't know if, if Rory knows this, but uh, we were talking about Will Gordon going to Vanderbilt. He's actually a 704 native, though, Roars. Uh, we're talking about Charles earlier. He's from Davidson, which is like five minutes from where I live in North Carolina. And uh, he actually holds the course record at my local course uh, at Morrisville Golf Club. He saw 61 or 62 there. Uh, so he's got a plaque in the clubhouse, Will Gordon, uh, Davidson stud. Huh, interesting. Look yeah, at man. that. The 704 hotbed for, for PG Tour pros. You should have got hooked. You should have got hooked up with him and went out there and won some money on the side. Yeah, yeah. As I yeah, as if I could hang with Will fucking Gordon. <laughs> no, I'm talking about him as your partner. Oh, right, yeah. He don't have to give me about ten pokes aside, but that's all right. <laughs> is there anybody is there anybody down I just I don't think you – what's the longest shot in the last 10 years that's won here? Luke List last year, 80 to 1. So, right where Kitayama is. Yep. What about yeah, – right, I, 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 oh, I like – oh, I like Kitayama. I, I yeah. like taking him in the first round. First that's round leader a lot that's of times. Point. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he always seems to throw a low round in it at some – some point, like it can potentially go low. I mean, he is playing the uh, south course roars, so in terms of the ball field, it's not going to happen. But I'm pretty sure books, I mean, books should allocate like different FRL yeah. markets for the they just cut some down. It, yeah. It's kind of not even it's like last not even night. worth it. Yeah, it's like yeah. last week they had a bet for the Lakita and Nicholas and all that. Like last week, you could more so get away with it because you you felt like maybe you did have a shot if you wanted to take somebody like at some decent odds deep yeah. deep down the board at a place like that. But at a place like this, you're not really, especially on the South Course. Yeah, 
you know it's going to be somebody you know closer to the top more than likely and every i mean anything can happen but i'm just i don't think it's really worth it in these cut cut up tournaments when you got different courses in play yeah i agree with you there bud all right so chris do you have one more name there before before we wrap it up you're uh you want our thoughts on one more long shot that we want to? I'll throw one more, even though it's 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 pretty deep. It's even it's I think it's about the same range as Will Gordon, but Trey Mullinex. Yeah, I was getting ready to. I looked. I was looking at him because he does he does bomb it out there pretty pretty decent. So yeah, top five in driving distance, actually top thirty on approach over the last uh, fifty rounds. So he finished T twenty five here in twenty nineteen. So yeah, yeah, I I don't mind that shout whatsoever. I think you'll actually. I, you know what I have him at? What do what? you have him at? Oh, what are you looking at? One twenty-five. Yeah, I got him at one fucking eighty on DK. I'm getting ready to play that. Outright, right, Just right now. Twenty, dog. Huh? He's not winning. <laughs> He's not gonna win. All right, then. Yeah. Let's do What's top, top twenty. 20? Let's see. Let's see what his top twenty price. I don't have is. top twenties yet listed. Yeah, that's probably recording on a Monday. We only have outrights and maybe like a. Exotic or two. We have a plus two seventy five. Uh, Taylor Montgomery missing the cut. Oh, that's a play. That's a play <laughs> right there. Plus two seventy five. Hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if if he if he finishes top twenty here, like I will officially drop all. I'll I'll, I'll take back everything I said. We'll dedicate ten minutes for me apologizing to Taylor Montgomery for this top twenty this week because this, this should be. I mean, if you could build a course that like would expose him the most in terms of needing to be a great total driver of the golf ball as well as a great long iron player like this should be it uh so yeah so use all that top 20 money you guys have been making over the last two months and <laughs> throw it on plus 275 mc 10 uh, he's uh plus 500 on top 20 that's not bad nah, no not bad. at all not at all i don't I know mean, how much my, yeah i don't know how much my week i would want to invest in trey molinix but he's got the skill set required. Like, I think Molinix at his peak is capable of, of being there. Um, they're about to top 20. Yeah, they don't have they don't have top 40 yet. I'd say it's probably going to be 250, 300. Okay, range, yeah. something. I'd say plus 200. That might be a good bet right there, top 40. I don't, I don't hate that. I don't hate, Chris has actually been pretty fucking good in terms of, like, identifying these outrights or these uh, these, like, super long shots. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, um, although Could've, he always gives he always gives some like eighty to one. Somebody, oh, Poston, Poston last week was my call oh, out. Right, I thought Poston was going to win. Postman, progress. We're betting. You know what? You know I took him live at like what? a way worse. No, I don't. I don't <laughs> don't tell me like eleven to one. No, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> okay. It was, it was like twenty five, maybe I don't know what whatever it was. And, and the only reason I took it is because Mark had him, and yeah, we had yeah. bet him. We had took him the week before, and I want to say actually I might have added Post in Sunday morning at twenty five and added Burns. I was like, yeah. either one of them have the potential of going really, really low at any any time, and I, that's all I was looking for is just like Rom having the type of day that he had, and, yeah. and somebody going stupid. And that was the frustrating part about Sunday was the fact that Rahm and Thompson, they started four shots clear and they shot 68 and 67. So they didn't really like make 
like they didn't really like put the pedal down right and with with all the 62s and 63s you saw out there all week like I thought for sure like a Tom Kim or a Burns or a Scheffler I mean Xander made his move as well um but they would I mean if, if you would have told me the winning score on Friday on I'm sorry Saturday night would have been 28 under par I'd be like shit like we've got a chance here with Tom Kim with how he's striking the ball right now but um yeah I think that uh <laughs> That just about wraps it up, man. Uh, Roy, you want to give like kind of your your, just give me like three or four core plays that you you can't kind of leave home without this week, and I'll give mine, and we'll get we'll get us out of here. Um, I'm probably going Will Z. I'll probably yeah. end up using the DK boost on him and get him up to twenty. It's a good bet. I don't, I don't mind taking taking him here and yeah. hey. He seems like he's all right. Like you said, he, he might be a little off, but that's going to get better the more the more he plays, the more he goes out there. I don't I don't think the back's really bothering him here. I think he's just struggling a little bit getting back in the groove where he missed some practice time and whatnot. So I I fully fully think he can compete this week. Um I'm I'm really thinking about looking at these north south starts and kind of maybe maybe playing it by live live ear this week i mean the let me i was going to at least try to pull a damn tournament matchup up if i can get these stupid things they ain't even got all they have is damn they ain't even got any up shit okay that's why they that's why they follow you rory so they can get the matchups as they come because you you just fire whenever you know you (laughs) It, Roy's Roy's betting something that feels like every uh, waking hour of the day. So I'll give you a matchup. I think we're gonna get. I don't know. I'd have to see what the price and ended up being on it. Who are you picking? But on I kind of like Xander over Tony. Okay, interesting. If if I, I can get that at at you know close to even odds, I think you should get even odds. Yeah, you'll get yeah. minus one ten. I think on each of those guys. I think that's that's up in the air. But I don't mind. Yeah, that. I, I'm. I think you're right. I think it. It'll probably be right around there. But yeah. And maybe, maybe fade. I don't know who they're going to put him up with though. But fade your boy Taylor. Who? Here, Taylor Montgomery. Oh yeah, yeah. We already got the plus two seventy five minutes. Yeah, I already. I literally. That's hey. my only click. I've already clicked it. <laughs> what? If, what if I'm just looking at close around the outrights here? What what if we get a little Deki Matsuyama at plus money against Taylor? You think we get plus money on that? Well, he's bigger odds yeah. on the board. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that. I mean, I would only t- I'd only ever take a Deki. I would never take Montgomery to match up here. Hell no. Yeah, I I really like that kind of. If we could see that, who knows what we're gonna see? But I'm actually... disappointed that they don't have any damn. That's weird. Yeah. I. It's got to be on. Hold on. I think, I think everyone's on the struggle bus this week, Roars, to be honest with you. Uh, they probably don't team. even They probably don't even realize the Sunbitch starts Wednesday. I think they do. I mean, right? I didn't know. <laughs> I, I think DraftKings knows that when the tournament starts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I, hopefully they don't, so they can just keep the pre-tournament odds up, like as <laughs> JT is going like nine deep through through nine holes, and we can just get yeah. this one right there. They just leave them up, and then they're like, "Oh shit!" Just yeah, when they when they try to like adjust odds on 
Wednesday morning. You're like, what the fuck are you doing, DraftKings? Like, these guys have it. <laughs> it's Wednesday. We appreciate you. <laughs> they leave John Rom up, and he's like, like that. he's already Just, twelve under. Yeah, on the South Course, they ain't even made it over to the North <laughs> Course yet. And they're like, oh, he's still plus fifty, plus five hundred. Great bet, great bet. Fifty nine <laughs> on the on the South. Nah, but all right. So Rory, Rory likes uh, he likes a little Xander Rafino. He likes a little Montgomery fade. I think we're both on the Colin Morikawa fade if we can get a matchup on. I mean, if we can get Xander Rafinal over Colin, I think that's a slam dunk. Um, JT, I would take JT over Colin just based on short game and um, a little bit more trust just in general floor in that regard. But I would say from an outward perspective, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but it's probably at least two of JT, Zalator, Sungjae, Homa. Um, I honestly don't know. I don't really have like a distinct power rating for any one of those guys. I'm going to have to, again, dig in a little bit more as the, as the week goes on. As what do you think said, about, what do you think about Keegan Bradley and Justin Rose this week? Uh, from an outright? No. <laughs> I mean, I think Jay Rose, I mean, he's got, he's, he falls in the Jason day category where he has good history here, but he's not the same player. And then Keegs, I don't know. I, I don't really not, like the back. Not, not. I hate fucking Keegan Bradley. I was just asking because I see. This costs me so much money. Yeah, I don't really like him myself. But Justin Rose, um, top twenty at plus two thirty. I kind of could play a little bit. Yeah, it's not for me. I would rather go with maybe one of the young kids down the down the board that have a bit more of a robust skill set or explosive skill set. Um. But I mean, Justin Rose, I think finished like T four last year, here last year. But he's just not a name I like to. Uh, he's a like pretty good out. stalwart here. He is, yeah. I mean, you're yeah. not going to go. The thing is, though, like if of all of the courses on the PGA Tour, I think course history at Torrey Pines might mean the least, just because like it's such a strenuous golf course that I think you just have to be playing well there, like a place like. Augusta or like Harbor Town, for example, right? Like extreme examples of course history where like guys know where to miss. It's very positional, strategic, and you can kind of bat it around, uh, particularly like the shorter golf courses with maybe your B game and um, and just kind of manufacture birdies. Uh, here at Torrey Ponds, you just kind of have to – you kind of have to have the shots. Uh, and so some of these older guys that I think are maybe a little bit past their prime that might have fared well here in the past are, are guys I'm looking to – uh, maybe fade a little bit. That's very of- true. I mean, I'm just bringing up a few names that I've yeah, seen pop pop up. What do you think about Scott Stallings? Think he's a, could no. sleep into any top forty? He's a one. He's like one thirty to one two. I don't really top know forty like- might be decent. Yeah, I, I think if you're going to bet Scott Stallings, that's got to be the market you you pick. I don't think he's going to contend here. Uh, he had his he had his really really hot stretch there in the summer last year. I don't know off the top of my head what he's been up to recently he um, hasn't been up to yeah. shit i looked at it and yeah. i was i was just looking at people and like you said stalin's went through that little stretch and then now he he hasn't really done done any damn thing lately yeah. so yeah so he's another guy that you know probably in his late 30s had success here in eight years ago uh but right now there's just too many young guns, too many fresh horses out there 
then uh, I think he's going to be – he's going to find it tough to, to keep up with, you know, the top of the board and then obviously some of the guys we like, the 20-somethings down the board. So that's kind of my general philosophy. I Again, I'm not going to proclaim to be a uh, aficionado when it comes to top 20 markets and top 40 markets. So um, I kind of – again, I kind of specialize in one thing and just try and hit big one one time every – four or five weeks. So. <laughs> but, hey, I like talking golf with you, man. So oh, right, yeah. we can talk off air, but uh, we spent two hours talking. I appreciate, I appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, you, know, um, you know you're welcome anytime. Yeah, I, I got to come by and stop by and check in on, on y'all at least once a month, you know. Right. <laughs> whether, whether it's sitting there talking to Chris randomly and I'm just like – well, that was after – was it – what? When I just jumped on with y'all, it was like like, in, like in Bristol office, or something. That, that was when you came on yeah. Spaces that night, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You had that. Yeah, we're just hanging out, and I'm like, I ain't got nothing to do. I'm gonna come on with y'all. <laughs> we spent about 50 minutes talking about that dog in him. Got <laughs> that dog in it. <laughs> so, yeah. but hell yeah, man. I mean, Rory, you're you're a goddamn legend. We, I mean, I love talking to you and. Uh, you know your shit about golf, but obviously you specialize more uh, in NASCAR that, you know, you and Chris can go on and on for hours, and you and Mark do fucking awesome work with Lane Coyne. Um, is there anything you want to plug? Is there anything uh, you want to say before uh, we kind of hang this up, or we about done for the night? No, nah, they uh, – we'll have to have – we'll have to have Chris on one Sunday morning. We're, you know, we're starting up a new show yeah, Sunday morning. So, got that rolling – get some YouTube going, we get people, we, we might have like morning drink mix, you know, each week okay. special morning, morning drink special to get your day started in the right direction for some NASCAR on Sundays. But, and, and you always got golf too, you know, you, that's why you gotta have more than just one television. You gotta have multiples going, right? Like I can peek over most time I am concentrated on, I've gotten where I'm, like really, really concentrated on the races, especially live, because I'm watching lap times and shit. Once live betting became available, it changes up your whole whole damn day, basically. Yeah. It it makes you like you know how it is with golf. You're you're paying attention, hoping the book slip on some random ass person that all of a sudden yeah. is a person that potentially goes low and all of a sudden they done birdie two holes and they haven't even hardly moved them off of their number type shit. It was like, I got Rom at 18 to one at the, at the uh, tournament of champions. I could just feel it. I could fucking right, so- feel it. The <laughs> meltdown happened. And I was like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Right, it is going to happen. And we got John Rom. You need to Hey, John Rom, three shots back, and I got him at 18 to 1. I'm like, come on. We're still mourning. Yeah, man, that's, that's a touchy fucking subject. We still, <laughs> we still love you anyway, man. But, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to get my uh, NASCAR knowledge up for the season, and, and you and Mark uh, are one of my main resources for kind of – for for progressing me along in terms of NASCAR fandom and as NASCAR better. And, uh, yeah, I'll be – even if I'm not a guest on those spaces, I'll I'll be in the comments for y'all asking all kinds of intrusive questions about what y'all are thinking. So, um, yeah, I, I've enjoyed getting to know you. Obviously, uh, big couple months coming up for y'all as we kind of 
progress towards the class, Daytona, and obviously the NASCAR season's coming up right uh, right around the corner. So excited for what you and Mark have coming up, and thanks for coming on, brother. Let's, uh, let's get some tickets here at Torrey Pines. Stock We're going up. to. Yeah, stock up for, uh, for the clash. All right, guys. So that being, with that being said, we're going to close it out. Uh, as mentioned, you can find Rory at, at RoryPix on Twitter and on the Lane Coin podcast on Apple and Spotify. Uh, he's got Instagram at RoryPix69, I believe, is what you got over there. And yeah, as he mentioned, the YouTube show coming. So Rory's just doing it all. And he's actually the, uh, the leader in the clubhouse for the most uh, listens for a flag hunting pod guest. So. He has most listens on our show. So, you know, you're, you're, you're a favor around here for a reason. But with that being said, we'll see you guys next week. Later.